You're probably wondering where you are, Dixon. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? If I was jumped by a bunch of goons in a dark alleyway, and bag put on my head, and I was taken somewhere, I'd wonder where I was too. Well, put your fears to rest, my friend. You're in the mouse house, and my boss, he ain't happy with the way that your last review went. In fact, he wanted me to give you this. Along with an empty cassette. He said he would be eternally grateful if you happen to have some kind of change of heart regarding your previous experience. Now, all you gotta do is hit the record button and just say that you had a yuckin' good time. That's all. So don't screw this up. I'm gonna come back in a few minutes. Hopefully I'll find you've had that change of mind. I feel like Dixon should be here right now, and he's fucking not, and he's super late, and I just don't... It's been like a few days, right? We should be yeah, worried. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned. I don't fucking know what to... We just got to grab somebody. We just got to grab somebody to do this episode. We got to get just it out slot the someone in. Yeah, it doesn't even matter who it is. It can be any fucking asshole. It could be <laughs> Next near, person that walks yeah, by. Okay. Whoever Anyone? it is. Anyone? Who the fuck are you? Hey, I'm Jim. Oh, Jim? 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 The Jim? The Jim. Oh, the Jim. Oh, wow. Nice. I thought it was just a name that we said. <laughs> yeah, whenever we wanted to talk about somebody who was, was Wait, did like, you, when we needed to theoretically talk about a fourth person that saw something like yeah. Jim, what's a good name? The yeah, Jim. the Jim. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. I mean, it's easy. It's three letters. Easy to say. It's a common name. It rolls off the tongue. Jim. Yeah, it didn't really roll off the tongue, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I opened my mouth and Jim came out. It was like Bleh. that's what uh, happens mostly. <laughs> People open their mouth and I just pop out. And hey, Jim comes out. <laughs> hey, you come out. <laughs> Like the, yeah, fucking, uh, what is that, so, Bob Odenkirk? Uh, anyways, it doesn't fucking matter. No, it's <laughs> more like Biggie about, right? Smalls. Yeah. You say Jim three times, like, oh, always comes oh, out. Okay, yeah, 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 that's right. Not hey, Bob like Odenkirk. A, Bob's okay, everybody. That was Bob. Is like, we should, that'd be interesting. Do we, have we done three podcasts where we said Jim and we summoned him? That'd yeah, be cool. We should go we back. Bet. We should Listeners, go find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we summoned this Jim to be here with us today. But do you have, like, fans now? And you have, like, a fan club? They can go, like, People listen. Yeah, there are dozens of them. Or there might be a dozen. Dozen oh. of them, but Shit. you know there still are. Hey, in uh, case anyone's listening, I'm tightening <laughs> up my tie right now and more professional. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, we, hey, we brought Jim off the street. Uh, what are we going to be talking about? I don't even remember because Dixon <laughs> fucking took forever to get here. I Lack think it of was, Dixon, I think yeah. it was like an HBO Max something that came out malignant, right? Yeah, we're going to talk malignant. about malignant. That no way. We're gonna deep dive on the LinkedIn. No, <laughs> no way. No, no, no. That is. Oh, don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait. Oh, oh. You spoiled the oh, surprise. No, no. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Sorry. Uh, welcome everybody. Welcome everybody to uh, to another episode of Off the Table, um, where we we have been stood up by Dixon. We don't know what's happened to him. We've had to pull the gym in off the street. Uh, to help us talk about uh, Maligdune. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, Denis Villeneuve's um, new thriller horror set in space. Uh, right. No, it's uh, yeah, Dune. Everybody knows it's out. It's fucking the marketing's everywhere. That's right. Um, it's doing very well. It's been doing very well. There was a whole ramp up where uh, every time we talked to Dixon, he was like, "This guy I follow on Twitter. He says oh, yeah, the best say- Oscar Isaac movie he's seen this year is the the Card Counter." And that that boat's poorly for Dune. And yeah. I was like, I don't know about that, but okay, we'll see. So uh, so it's now us versus this guy on Twitter that Dixon knows? Yeah, basically. Well, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. except yeah. it was just an insinuation. He didn't actually say <laughs> yeah. Dune wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He yeah, just yeah. didn't mention Dune when he was talking about Oscar Isaac. And then when I saw Dune, I realized why he didn't consider it to be An the Oscar best Isaac film movie. Oscar <laughs> Isaac would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, but anyways, the, the synopsis of Dune, actually, Jim, you're a Dune fan, aren't you? I, uh, it was pretty I formative in my, tell by the tie that the you're 84 tightened the sandworm uh, tie. Yeah. yeah the the Shia Lu tie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah the exactly. 84 Dune is what, yeah, that's what really, yeah. it was no, actually like, so surprisingly enough, the first Dune I ever saw was the sci-fi <laughs> channels, TV Dune. series yeah. movie, Dune, yep. uh, which has colored most of my impression of Dune. Okay. So oh, okay. somewhere maybe above David Lynch's Dune. Mm-hmm. But elsewhere in the pantheon of Dune iterations, it, conceptually, is it above Yodorowsky's Dune for you, or below <laughs> what that was going to be? It is better than the movie Yodorowsky made, but it is oh. probably worse than the storybook that he actually made. Oh yeah, yes, but, yes. Okay, okay. I will say Yodorowsky's yeah. Dune. The concept is a great Dune. Pretty solid. The execution, be anything you want it to be. Oh, the execution of it. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Just um, at least it'll be left. Yeah, I, I just want to tell this real quick story, and then yeah. Jim, I would love for you to give a synopsis of what this for Dune. This is part one, everybody. Sorry, spoilers if you haven't sat in the theater or watched it on HBO Max yet. Yeah. It's part one of what is going to be potentially a trilogy. It's yeah. about uh, thirty trilogy. minutes. Thirty minutes to go, and Darla goes, "This is just going to end, isn't it?" And there's going to be another. And I was like, "Yeah." And you turned to her slowly oh, and said, "Nothing." You did yeah. it, Zendaya. <laughs> did you at least yeah, know that there was going to be a second one at the time, or were you no. still waiting on the the green light? Uh, Oh, they, did, I, did I know that there was going to be a second they one? They didn't greenlight it until Yeah, like I know they didn't greenlight yeah, it, yeah, yeah, but it, it was obvious they couldn't. Well, <laughs> I was so worried. I was a question of if they were going to try to squeeze it all in one movie when they first sort of announced it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I knew, but yeah, I, don't, I don't tell my wife anything, and if I did, no, like about a movie, she'd forget <laughs> about it anyway. Like, that's just not, yeah, yeah. not something that she would retain. So yeah, she was about partway. She didn't even think anything of Dune or know it in general. Ooh. And then, yeah, was, she was engaged, but then like 30 minutes towards the end, she was like, all right, it's been two hours and we're clearly not getting anywhere. A lot of lore building. Yeah. yeah. She's like, this is just going to stop and then I'm going to have to wait. And I told her it was 2023. And she's like, God, I'm going to have to rewatch it because I'm going to forget everything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. The story. So the story I was going to tell Please. real quick. So I was watching uh, Alejandro Yodorowsky's Dune recently and uh, with some people who didn't know about it. They were coming for a Dune watch party and I was like, I'll just make this movie the pre-roll. Fuck it. We'll watch this whole documentary. That's a lot of pre-roll. That is, yeah. I mean, they were like taking their sweet time getting into yeah, the, yeah. the, getting over here. I was going to be like into the seats. Like this is a real theater. Come on. <laughs> Did you hear like your bumper where you're like, yeah. this is now a talking. Like, uh, hello. I opened the concession stand an hour and a half ago. Nobody has shown up. Uh, you like blink the lights in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And like one of the guys who showed up for the party, the watch party, uh, he walked in at like the worst time possible where Yodorowsky is trying to explain how in order to make anything beautiful in any artwork, he was like, yeah, you know, you, you have to, um, mm-hmm. the, the woman, you know, if you're going to marry somebody and have children for like the beauty of having children, you have to like rape your wife. 
You have to like rape her with love. And he was like, I am raping Frank Herbert. I'm raping him with love. And it was just so like, the, he walked into it with no context and he just immediately turned around and walked back out into like the kitchen area. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't know what they're watching in there right now. <laughs> You're like, a, a frustrating, a lot of that. I got the in-call recently and it was yeah. just a lot of like, I'm reading that and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Rasky has this yeah. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. would do that. Which that's yeah. an interesting bit though that the ink all is essentially what he created after he didn't get to make dune yeah and there's elements of of dune in there or well of what he remembered of Dune, what he made up of what he thought of dune yeah Yeah. the fever pitch dream he had when he heard the word (laughs) dune uh that's in there but it's an it's a yeah there's a lot going on there we talked about el topo (laughs) go back go back to the tapes you can hear about you are of that um but yeah so yeah jim enlighten us what is what is dune uh, as a, as I guess a series kind of light spoilers so, for people listening. And then, and then what does Dune part one encompass? You know, you're all there from the beginning, from uh, the jihad against the, oh the oh entire, it's up uh, to come you, on, dude. let's all just settle down now. Let's all sit <laughs> into our chairs. Uh, no, no. Um, so Dune, yeah. Dune is a, uh, a sci-fi, you know, uh, almost like space opera type of story from the sixties. Frank Herbert, uh, wrote it. Um, mainly the, the first, uh, book, which is actually, we'll do the first part of the first book, first book of the first book, um, basically encompasses this like great house situation you have in space where there's an emperor, a couple of big houses, uh, two of them, the Atreides and the Arconans are mortal enemies. Um, and the big move to open up the entire play is that, uh, the Atreides have been given the Harkonnens planet of Arrakis to run as their fiefdom cool thing about Arrakis is that it produces spice melange, which is a pretty critical, like, it's like the it's critical, a, it's like it's the critical, like trade resource. Like, yeah, it's like drug of yeah. choice. Um, it allows for interstellar travel, um, as well as it's just a luxury item for sort of the rich and, and fa- famous and powerful in the area. Um, and it's pretty much the most critical resource in the world and the universe in this time. So their Atreides, clan is going to go take over Arrakis and run it for a great profit, um, they suspect. Um, however, you know, they're kind of walking into a bit of a trap because the Harkonnens previously ran this planet, and lo and behold, um, as the Harkonnens leave, they basically leave it booby-trapped um, for them. Now, the a couple other things at play here is that they're also a, uh, a group of native people on Arrakis, both within the city, the main city of Arrakis. It's not, I don't, I don't think it's called Arrakis. It's it's, called? They don't say it in the movie. They don't say it in the movies. Remember. They just talk about the sieges. Yeah, there's like the sieges. Yeah, so so anyway, there's the main city where people live, and then also the natives who live out in the desert. This is a mainly desert planet. Um, they are called the Fremen, and they live amongst desert in various communities um, that are another sort of faction that have opposed the colonial, you know, imperial ro- rule of Arrakis. Um, so they kind of basically will play a big part in shaping the world as the Atreides come in, the Atreides possibly see them as an ally or as someone that they don't want to oppress as much as the Harkonnens have historically done. And so they sort of develops that way. And the last big faction at play here is the, uh, as well as the big houses and the emperor that run the universe or the galaxy, they're also a secret, essentially coven of Basically, witches. Um, yeah, they, yeah. Like honestly, yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's about the space way. Space witches. Yeah, space witches. Um, called the Benny Gesserit. 
who are um, entirely female, um, and they have been basically uh, enacting this multi-generation, centuries-long breeding project to essentially breed all of the royal and big bloodlines of the world together to create some sort of like superhuman-esque person called the, say with me, everyone, the quiche Lorraine. Yes. Quiche melange. Quiche melange. Essentially a quiche melange of a person for which the Atreides main concubine, Jessica, is a part of. And actually, she, her son, Paul Atreides, our main character for the story, he is part of that breeding program, though, as you learn early on. He's not what he's supposed to be. He might have been supposed to be uh, a, a female that was going to marry a Harkonnen. Hmm. But instead, uh, she bore a son in direct violation of the space witches, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which adds another element of, of controversy to the story. And so that's where it picks up, basically, is us moving off of our lovely sea-based peaceful world of Caladan to the desert hostile trap of Arrakis. Yeah. Um, and so like from there mm-hmm. kind of, cause the original, the 84 Dune tries to cover, I don't even remember a lot the, of the 84 Dune, but it tries to get through like a lot of it, right? It so covers the, it covers the, first the whole book. book. The whole first and book. I would say three quarters or more of that movie is what the new Dune is. Correct. So yeah. So like a hundred minutes of Dune 84 is the two and a half hours of yes. this movie, and then they just quickly rush through the rest of it at the end. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, if you're anybody out there who decided that they were going to watch '84 Dune for fun and then go and watch Villeneuve's, like, come on, you really trying to set the bars here between this? Like, David Lynch was just handed this thing and told, like, yeah, just make it work. It's stolen yeah. from Yudorowsky, basically, and mm-hmm. given over. Um, but but for this this Dune in particular, like, uh, I guess the discussion that we can have is kind of like how, cause I brought Jim is brought in off the street to be the <laughs> certified street fan that we need to. Well, actually I'm a professional to. Dune specialist. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. He's yes. a Duneologist. Everybody you know. surprisingly <laughs> enough. Yes. This is my, my daytime he, job. Actually. He majored in Dune and he minored in malignant. The deep dive. <laughs> yes, um, yes. But yeah, so I'm uh, I'm absolutely curious to hear because you had been hyping it up for a really long time, Jim. Absolutely. Out on the street, I saw you with a megaphone yelling about it for like years. Yeah, before uh, I even didn't, yeah. before I even knew who you were, before Dean Villeneuve was going to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah you were like, the problem oh. was it was in a language that nobody understood. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it didn't come around. Mostly in Iraqin, which is very <laughs> not spoken here. Yeah, it's so pretty yeah. hard. He was yeah. sand walking up a hill. There wasn't even any sand. Which people on thought it. was like, just <laughs> dancing, and I'm like, yeah. no, it's for the worms and worms. Yeah, small ones. It's complicated. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. it was nice, though. How, how did this experience sit for you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, full disclosure, I'm a huge Denny Villeneuve fan. Um, liked a lot of his, his earlier work. Um, loved a Arrival. I loved 2049. Um, and I, the book was really formative in terms of, like, my appreciation of sci-fi as well as just, like, other iterations of Dune, right, we've talked about. Um, and kind of the most interesting thing I found is that, like, I thought this book was impossible to make as a movie. And I was mm-hmm. like really excited to see an attempt, but I also just sort of like, mm, okay, um, it's not going to do much. Um, especially since there is, as you'll see in the, at least the first 
book, the first movie, and probably the second movie for sure, a lot of playing with time, a lot of like sort of, you know, what's happening in the future, what's happening in the past, sort of, you don't know necessarily what's real and what's a vision, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I thought they did an incredibly good job in this one of not only giving that feel, setting up a, a lot of lore, just a lot of un, like lore that you needed, cutting exactly the kind of lore that you didn't need. The fanboys out there are going to be really mad that they didn't talk about like why Mentots are who they are or yeah. the, Orange Catholic, yeah. the Orange Catholic Bible and what that means, all kinds of like that. But that's fine because I don't think it really was necessary to tell the story that it needed to tell and set up the things it needed to set up. Um, so it actually did both of just being incredibly real to the source material, which I was like impressed, really impressed with, um, while not seeming to be just sort of like a wild um, forward and backwards of time. You can't tell what's happening. Like they get a good amount of vision casting and a good amount of like present day situations and a good amount of like you don't know what's really going to happen without confusing at least the viewer to me. Now I've been a big fan, so like I knew it was going to happen. So maybe it was different for someone else. But I was really impressed with that. I'll say the one thing I, I thought was interesting um, going forward is that for me, Denny is very known for like these large atmospheric panning shots to just establish tone and just sort of like establish like the scale of alien stuff or the scale of the world and all kinds of like that. Yeah. And just given the content and how much they had to do in this movie, there it felt a little bit quicker than his normal movies. Like it felt much quicker than 2049 just because they had so much story to tell. So you kind of got those shots, but in a much just like shot and story, shot and scene, shot and scene versus like three shots of of Ryan Reynolds or whatever his face is driving home from uh, uh, walking. walking. <laughs> Brian Gaslin. Yeah, Brian Gaslin. <laughs> Man, Ryan Reynolds in 2049 would be a, such a different film. <laughs> really would have been. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Gosling driving home from Batista's house, just like three or four different shots of establishing things versus here it was just very fast and very much on the on the beat. Yeah, or like Gosling walking around yeah. in the Vegas casino in that orange haze with the bees, yeah. which takes yeah, like, a sweet time to... Yeah. To settle cool in. Scene. Yeah. 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 <laughs> really cool atmosphere and everything. Yeah. But just like even watching the initial scene where they have the ceremony mm-hmm. uh, for the house of Trades to be handed Arrakis and getting that like huge orb ship. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing is like, I feel like this movie, um, I know uh, mm-hmm. that David Lynch's Dune was up against a lot of odds. Like inc- they, they didn't have CGI. Those like shields are all oh, yeah. rotoscope drawn perspective and they look awful. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's like one of those things where like a lot of effort was put into it. Like they reserved out a stadium for some of the ship's shots and like have all the miniatures set up and everything. But yeah. um, a lot of the ships in that 80s one don't feel to me like 70s style or 60s style spaceships, which is what I think of when I think of Dune. Yeah. And uh, the, this, I felt like captured a lot of the angular nature of some of the ships. And then at the same time, you have like the giant sphere ship that like the emissaries from the emperor come with like the, the scrolls and everything out of, and just the ships look so unique and so different. And uh, like the giant tube that everybody yeah, kind of like descends yeah. from, it's just really like awe inspiring and bewildering shapes that your brain is like, Oh, it's a spaceship, but something about it just feels so unique and lends itself to the intimidation and the atmosphere of like any given scene when they're in it. Um, Yeah. They did a really good job. I, I was thinking about the spaceships too, where it feels, it feels possible. Yeah. Is that right? Like the Thopters are a great example of like your mind. They did a great job of making them look 
possible? Like in your mind, you're like, oh, I've seen an animal that flies that way. It had this kind of elegance to it. You know, if you stop and think about it, you're like, that won't work at the scale that it's at in being metal. But yeah, it, it's believable yeah. watching it, right? All the spaceships, I was like, these are believable and interesting, really great designs, um, especially because I think when you look, Star Wars stuff, Star Wars stuff <laughs> yeah. holds up because it was these miniatures, right? And they yep. shot them and they did a really good job with the miniatures. And then kind of by the time you get to the 84 Dune, they're trying some different things and it doesn't, it didn't, it didn't quite work And here. We're like fully CGI, but we're, but we're far enough from the, st- the Star Wars prequels, yep. CGI yeah. ships that look like crap yep. that now it's good. Like it's a good, the matte coloring looks good. The textures yeah. look good. The motion looked good. And, and they use, they mix practical, like interior practicals and things like that. Well, also they like the shapes were so, at least to me, impractical for spaceships that it looked like too stylized. Like the, Whatever that yellow ship that like Anakin runs in, in yeah, episode just, one, like looks like it's trying to be aerodynamic and oh, yeah. space efficient. Right, like which that. makes no sense in space. It makes no sense in space. <laughs> and also it's just sort of like, eh, okay, it's like a little cheese. But like there are giant like rectangular prisms that people just like, that was their drop ships. So it's yeah. like, oh, get to the ships. And they're just like a giant square thing that just like rises up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah fine. Yeah, like That's cool. Yeah. Cool, yeah. I'm it's, down with it. Like yeah. I'll, I'll accept this. As it's like world. oddly, they're oddly built in a practical way, which makes them more believable yeah. to some yeah. extent. Right. Just like, yeah, giant fucking tube that like other ships would come out of in the middle of it. This makes way more sense for like a bay. <laughs> okay, so this is a conversation. Like, so I'm so glad they didn't show the faster and like the interstellar travel, which yeah. is like they don't do it in the book too, which is like perfect. They just tell you like it's possible and here's who does it, but they don't tell you like how it happens, which is I think the best thing you can do. But I've heard multiple people think that like that tube thing would be a more of a necessarily a portal. Oh. that people oh, go in and like out a, of eh, versus the ship itself moving in and out of. And mm-hmm. they never established it. And I kind of liked the like yeah. vagueness of it. Yeah. So I've heard so many theories. It's like, this yeah. is a great, yeah. so this is a good segue into like you you're talking about the lore Yeah, that I was, I was surprised how it wore, how well it worked and that they did it, that they were light on the lore. Like yeah. they gave you enough and they kind of rolled with it, which I think is a mistake that I feel like a lot of, world building science fiction and fantasy movies try to make like as a book you can just go right and there's like a hat there's a whole nother book at the end of dune that's just translations and explanations of crap right because you can do that but in a movie you got to work with what you have it's a visual medium Mm -hmm. so they skip the voiceover type of you know we're talking about blade runner but 2049 did a good job not having that but yeah (laughs) right to to let us kind of live in the world and try to experience it. You kind of have that feeling of a foreigner where like, well, they know what that is, but I don't quite know what's going on. They did a really good job here giving you just enough and enough for you to want to be like, all right, what is that? Right. That maybe you'll talk with your friends or you'll look it up online or or whatever and not need to. So I think start like, you know, we can't get away from star Wars, which honestly owes a lot to Dune. Like to be fair, owes a lot to Dune. Right. But in that way, if you watch that first Star Wars, they aren't constantly telling you what all the things are. They're just like, they go. Yeah. They go here, they do that, and they ride these things. You don't need to know how they work or mm-hmm. who those people necessarily are. And that's enough for you to be excited and to like want to know more about the the world and the universe. And I think it was great that this is just like, it was there and it fed it and never felt like th- that it didn't make sense or that it just sort of happened. You're like, okay, it's important. That happens. That's important. Those people are saying something. Like, it's all there. Uh, my wife has like no context, no context to Dune the book, 
I think she watched the 84 movie and doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, watching this one, she's coming in blind. So I absolutely was like, I told her, I was like, we're watching Dune. Putting the, we're putting the kids to bed and we're going right up. It's two and a half hours. We're going to knock it out. Yeah. I was like, we'll watch Dune. Because uh, I wanted her to watch it and have that feedback of like, does this make sense to her? Is it compelling? All that. And she was she was gripped. She enjoyed it. She was she was sitting there like asking, you know, questions like, what's this? What's that? And then she was like, at one point she goes, where does the spice come from? And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, good. Think on that one. <laughs> You're going to be surprised. I was like, for some reason, no one in this world has asked that question. That <laughs> <laughs> never came up to the Harkonnens. Um, yeah, but I was like, that's yeah. good, right? That's a good that, that that worked. And I was like, it, it, it works. Like, honestly, it made sense what things were without having to, to go into it. So the one on that, um, can we do spoils in here? Is, uh, Spoilers yeah. of Dune Two or Dune? Sure. Spoils of Dune One. Just, yeah, yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah, like, sure, yeah. everybody. If you've, you've already you've seen been this far, spoiler like, alert! I'm going to talk about Dune One. Um, uh, how did she take the betrayal from Doctor Yue? Because that was the one area that I thought like uh, a little bit like less attention was paid to about why he was doing anything he was doing. Uh, well, I mean, as soon as he came in to Paul and is like, Hey, good night. And puts the thing down. She's like, well, I'm not trusting that fucking guy (laughs) right away, which it telegraphed like, right. They gave you the movie making stuff to kind of tell, right. Telegraph something suspicious. And then, yeah, he's like, Oh, they have my wife or whatever. And he puts the poison tooth in and Daryl was like, they're not going to hold him to that deal. Like they're, they're just going to kill him right away. Like it's, it's definitely like, you know, the the characters, like where it's going. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it was like, she knew. He betrayed him. Mm-hmm. There was a couple questions like this is everything. We can talk about the action a little bit where it got confusing for a second of exactly what happened. But he did it like in a, like two scenes later. He's like, oh, I lowered the shields. I like it makes it yeah, explicit. Yeah. Like I did all of this for you and then turn in uh, Luke or whatever. Yeah, Luke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Dito. Luke Dito. That's a Star Wars character. Right. That's exactly yeah, turn him in or whatever. Yeah. So I think it made sense. Like, it, it gave you enough. That's yeah. good. I also find that this world uh, was just... I forgot how good it was made, speaking of the action, for good action sequences. Like, they came up with good, semi-plausible scientific reasons for you to not just shoot each other with guns all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, with the, like, the shields. But then they didn't have to explain it that much, too. Like, there was, like, a light explanation of, like, eh, shields, go slow, and that kind of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. they showed you with the sword. Yeah, the, the so visual. that... That was perfect. Yes. That was the moment where I, where I was like, okay, this is, they're good. They're going to let things happen and not have to sit there and explain it. Because normally yeah, it would be like, he would come over, in, yeah. he'd be like, put on your shield, and we talk about the shield, right, and something Tom else. And stuff like that. The well, fact they would, that they yeah. just, like, real quick, he puts it on, or I, maybe he already has it on, but yeah. you see that it's a thing that's on him, that just, it's there. Yeah. Turns it on, you see the kind of, like, glow. He takes his own knife and kind of hits his hand and you see it change, mm-hmm. right? And it changes to a red, which your mind knows something. And it's like, and he steps away and I was like, everyone knows exactly what this is. Like that was all it took. Everyone knows exactly what this is. And I was like, that's perfect. Like they, that was, and that's directing, yeah, yeah. right? That was yeah. perfect. It gives everything they needed in a visual way that we could get and understand. And then he goes in the fight with Gurney, who then that's where they have the like slow knife yeah. explanation and it's also simultaneously giving us like Gurney's cool. Yeah. And here's their relationship. And here's kind of how the shields work. And Paul can hold his own, which is important later because we're talking about wrestling. Yep. If you don't know that the guy can fight well, then at the end it's bullshit. Nope. We know he can fight well. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> right. So it, it, 
it, so much in one scene that was just what we needed. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause it, that was all I could think about too, is watching that, watching a, a lot of these scenes where things were just hinted at and left for your imagination to fill in the gaps. You know, I could think about, uh, he's got a high midichlorian rate, like that yeah, fucking right. explanation yeah. oh, or somebody in the corner of a room. That's like, that's Paul Atreides. He's got the voice. Yeah. It <laughs> does the things that people do like whatever the fuck. And just like that kind of shit. It always like makes me, that's just, Having gone through Schlocktober, I've seen enough of that to know how like it makes it even more savory when somebody doesn't do it, when they do the show and they don't do the tell, or they're very like subtle ways of doing the tell. Um, well, also yeah. like a good opportunity to do some like stylized in the siege, which is like in the book. I don't think there's like any action really in like the siege, and so but they had like fun with it, and they had like the guns coming down where they dropped like bullets that would like yeah. slow down like giant bullets that would like slow down and be fun like were visually interesting to watch yeah, and i was like cool. this is great and like a great callback to everything else that we know about this world like this is really I, fun stuff i will say it kind of invalidates the shield thing a little bit since they haven't really they kind of show it to you and they don't fully explain and then you proceed to in that fight see them fire a dart that just like goes through it so you're like all right well why doesn't everyone just have darts and then they drop like a bomb that just also goes through the shield. But they explain like they drop the shield, but then you see some other buildings that have the shield. So that's sort of like, well, we do have things that can go around shields. Yeah. It's yep. not immediately clear like that. Sometimes that can't gel where you're like, oh, well, we just shoot the dart through the shield and we can drop this particular bomb to the shield. And it's like, why do we even have shields anymore? <laughs> when they came back with the dart in uh, Duncan Idaho's when he's like fighting in the hallway and he like they shoot a dart and he has to like, it's like going slow he, through his thing. It's like and he hits it away. He's able to cut it away. Hunter Seeker, yeah. right? That's what they're called? Or is that a different No, that's different. a little thing. Uh, that could, they just, I just thought they, they were both needles. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, in this world, we call you needles know, Hunter yeah. Seekers. They're all Hunter Seekers. I was like, wow, this is rad. Yeah. Next time I go to get my vaccine, I'm like, give me that Hunter Seeker right here. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where like it gives you a chance, right? Yeah. But it's not immediate. Like there was a bit where, because he just gets hit with a dart, and it's, it happens slow, but it's like one of those, these can go through shields. And so you could kind of be like, all right, what? But you're right. Yeah, yeah. it shows later. Like, you can't get away from it. You, you yeah. know, it gives you an, it slows it down. It gives you a chance. You know, for, like, bulletproof armor stuff. isn't yeah. like the be all end all either, right? So we yeah. have stuff that's equivalent. Yeah, yeah. There, there's also like a really cool detail when they're doing the, the siege um, where like one of the shields, when they get the bomb penetrates it, the shield actually reforms around the explosion. And then yeah. the explosion goes out and fills the shield for a second. And then it pushes past the shield and bursts everything. It's a really fucking rad subtle yeah. detail that I was There's like, oh, great. that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the only thing with the action that I would say is that, and this is Darla's complaint. Once the shit's going down, she got a little lost in like, well, wait, who's who, what? Cause you kind of got all these names and all these different people. And I think mainly it's because the Harkonnens go and grab the, I forget what their names are. The sauerkrauts? Sauerkrauts. Yes. And they, and they come <laughs> along and it wasn't immediately apparent to her like, wait, the sauerkrauts, like, are they working for the emperor or the Harkonnens or with them? And then the Atreides. And then she was like, wait, who's fighting who, who landed? Why? And I was kind of like, well, the Hark, they're, they're turning on him. It's like, they, the emperor like doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like it was like, okay, all right. And then some of the, sauerkrauts and the harkonnen's armor looks similar gray and black yeah. together and you're like what? and so that wasn't quite apparent but i was like i it got the bad guy good guy thing you could tell but it was a little in the like too similar with with yeah. the harkonnen 
sauerkraut and well even the the flash forwards when they're seeing the fa- the battle up will probably happen in yeah in yeah so too like there's just they're kind of both in these like yeah because even paul has a similar armor they suit point. things yeah. which i that was like the one like action cgi thing where i was like oh that doesn't it looks kind of like weird but like they also look like they're the same suits just colored like tan and gray and i was yeah. like no those are not good battle colors like yeah i know each other on the field desert camo <laughs> desert camo but it was desert camo so it's desert power desert camo <laughs> desert power. Yeah. yeah 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 so that it was a a little tricky but it was enough like it kind of passed and it was clear like <laughs> they're losing the fight it doesn't really matter <laughs> there's yeah. nothing that's specifically happening here that's they'll important all be gone they have, soon they're getting their asses kicked <laughs> yeah yeah which um yeah, so like even the lead up to that, the slow kind of build to the siege itself, where we're seeing these other parts of, um, you know, we just got to talk about like Baron Harkonnen and his representation compared to the book, compared to 84's Dune as well. 84's Dune, he's like comically yeah, he's over, over, overweight and he's over super acne and boils and everything all over him to make him look extra disgusting yeah. and to give you intimidation from more of a revulsion. Like, and in the book, I have not read the book. I have read it by proxy because Sasha tells me all about it. Uh, and Jim also spoiled like the entire series for me. And I was like, yes, cool. Hey. Now I know what's going to happen. Uh, and I can do it for you for a price. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And Sasha was like, yeah, they describe him as like being kind of gluttonous and having, he has like the, a, some like assistance to make him yeah, anti gravity yeah. thing to help him. And I was like, Oh, is that the back thing that lights up? Because that thing fucking intimidated me just from how it lit up and the noise it made. And just the way the, sh- the scenes were shot with Baron Harkonnen in this, um, like just the, the menacing presence he had over the disgust of like his visage was way more present for me than like in Dune 84. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm like, I mean, I know he's bad because of the way he looks, but it, isn't scary. It's just can't be bad. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's played too over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting here because he's, this is a different characterization from yeah. the book for sure, but I like it. I like the sort of subtle intimidating, like he doesn't say a lot, right? He, he's kind of creepy when he floats there. Uh, they did a good job of making him realistically overweight and fucked up looking yeah. without being too much. Yeah. That's they played good. him more like a, uh, like a, like they play the evil side of him way more than the the gluttonous side, right? Which is like I, the book even plays the gluttonous side of a bit too much, yeah. Which is like kind of fun to have hedonism bot be your antagonist, <laughs> yeah. in the book. but like I liked this version as much. Like a, it was a different, a good way to look at something different. Um, I think, and just having like the introduction, even though it was for me like gave me very Darth Vader vibes of like sitting in a chamber with like a whole bunch of smoke and just oh, like, yeah, we're coming like, like something kind of seeing like, him from behind. Yeah. 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 But like, I mean, honestly a good callback and they had like each scene he was in was like just a totally different way of him being creepy menacing. Yeah. Except for the last scene with him in Leto, um, which was more of the gluttony, like him having the meal yeah. right with the Duke, uh, like, which is, I think correct and like a good thing to do. Um, but it was just much more interesting to see all the different, progressions of him even in the oil or whatever the bath he's in yeah. his recovery bath yeah which is looks fucking <laughs> yeah spa. that yeah. was like great that was yeah. gross oh my and, god yeah that was awesome that's that's yeah. one of those things where you see that in like a like an nvidia graphics card rendering <laughs> demo or some yeah. shit he comes <laughs> so out of the liquid look at all the physics <laughs> there is like a little bit of me that i'm just like there's a lot of this movie that i think was made for trailers mm-hmm. but also like mm. i'm here for like i'm like, here for it 
I mean, that's Villeneuve just has such an eye for visuals in general that like every movie he makes is kind of made for trailers. Like Arrival has the big ship with the clouds rolling over the the mountains and Blade Runner 2049 has just that color palette and that, Mm -hmm. that cyberpunk kind of future uh, retro future sort of thing. And um, just the way that's done. Color palette. I did appreciate this one for being more monochromatic, more like, uh, sorry, multichromatic than I thought it could be. Cause I was really worried that we're going to get into like, Oh, desert world, like get ready for sepia tone world. Like, yeah. Um, but they actually really did a good job of, of pulling out the colors, especially in the beginning to that, to the point when they went to Arrakis and it was more monochromatic that it was almost oppressively tan yeah. with the yeah. blues of the Fremen eyes being like the, and the green, like the things that really mattered Made them pop just yeah. really popped really well. And it was, helped a lot from the Caladan setting of we have oceans and green and yeah. different colors all yeah. like that which I really you get appreciate. that nice I still don't know what Harkonnen's world looks like I just know it looks like a Giger painting that's what it's yeah, always right. looked like in my mind, mind. The, the callback <laughs> was so I thought because it did yeah. flash real quick Getty Prime yeah. and it was like perfect Geiger like representation yep and they moved in and i was just like that's all i want to thank you like you just yeah. made it happen <laughs> <laughs> like Yodorowsky can be happy Mobius can be happy everyone can like go cheer yeah. yeah yeah um i think that part of that you talk about everything you know potentially being tanned or, or muted or th- it's another they made a change yeah. where the freeman suits aren't sand colored which you think they would be yeah. and they are in the book so they got to blend in right to have this like gray dark gray that stands, it helps stand out. It helps give it something, you know, maybe it's unbelievable, but then you could also be like, well, maybe that has something to do with the technology that's in it for keeping you temperate. And, but also they're not hiding from any predator out there other than the worm that hears them. So like, yeah, color, like that's the one area we probably can be more like, yeah. How long had Harkonnen been there? Fair, fair, fair. They probably want to stay away from them. Right. Well, the one time they do fight the Arconans when they pop out of the sand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the that was cool. of action sequence, yeah. yeah Great action cool. sequence. So rad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that whole thing. Actually, that whole sequence from there and then cool. into yeah. the, the yeah. room with uh, Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they do. They pop out of the sand twice, don't they? It's the beginning. They ambush the Harkonnens and yeah. then they ambush yeah. the, the sauerkraut or whatever when they, they. Yeah. And that scene leading up to them popping out of the sand also just great staging of um, like danger coming down yeah. i love that uh there's also that kind of this getting into like the audio quality of the film because um han zimmer sometimes can be a little bit over with what he's trying to do especially in chris nolan movies he's just giving <laughs> carte blanche to do whatever uh and and nolan's like once they're out of the theater i don't give a shit how it sounds on their tv um but it sounds great <laughs> in imax and it sounds great at home, um, and and I feel like Zimmer caught a lot of the. He's got like that throat singing that in that some of these cool. tracks, yeah. and like yeah. there's bagpipes that come in, and oh, like yeah. yeah, you remember that part? <laughs> I was just like <laughs> oh, yeah. bagpipes, but okay, <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. space bagpipes. Um, yeah, and then and then like in this scene in particular, you've had you've already had like the siege. There's explosions. There's all this other stuff. Like the the troops are now kind of like moving out into the desert, trying to hunt Paul, and uh, and like. They just slowly descend from that one sunlit spot into like what used to be, was it an ecological facility? Yep. And it's just dead quiet. And you like atmospherically from the audio, it's the same feeling of like being in a cave or that kind of space is how I felt. I was just like, oh, there's, it's not that there's no sound. It's that there's so much densely packed area for sound that I could just feel it, which is really kind of cool to capture. Um, 
And then immediately everybody pops out of the sand and starts murdering them. And you're right back into like, there's the audio, there's all the stuff. And it all came back. And so it's again, like keep playing with that dynamic of like silence is also a sound in and of itself to be used and provides its own atmosphere for it. Um, but yeah, like that, that, so yeah, the siege scene was cool. And then Harkonnen's whole intimidation, uh, and then kind of like, a. Um, I'm still trying to process which, which part of the worm showing up I loved most because I really did like the visualization of it. Kind of the, to me, it seemed kind of clear and I don't know, again, haven't read the book. Don't know what the real description of these, (laughs) these worms are, but the bristle seemed heavily inspired by like a whale bristle Mm -hmm. to like just filter things through. And I was like, that's really cool. Whatever that is like merging kind of these elements into this gigantic creature that uh, almost kills Paul several times, it seems, um, along with like the way that they shift the sands sand, when it's getting yeah, closer, like the, the whole way that they, yep. what is that phenomenon? It's like where sand can basically become fluid if it's given the yeah, right amount of air around. pressure yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they just captured so much of that really well and none of it is like, you can tell it's like a, a small sandbox or something, you know, like when Jack is, when Jack and Rose on Titanic are like fucking in the water, you can tell they're in a pool. You already know <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah. a glass backing somewhere they're on the lot. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and there's like an intern over there, like paddling a little bit to get the, the water moving a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of shit. But here it's kind of like, I just engrossed in it and was like, wow. Okay. This, uh, I am on Arrakis, whatever, like this, this is all makes sense to me and watching the, the worm just plow through all of the dunes in the distance and they just yeah. explode in that like phenomenal yeah, the tenseness way. of all of it. Yeah. yeah it was good. just really it just captures that. So, well, um, I want to talk about the, the first time the worm shows up, which is, uh, they're doing their inspection, right. On like the, the spice collector, spice, spice harvester. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would like y'all's thoughts on it. I mean, obviously I've already said I fucking love when the worm shows up. So it's my, one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like how was this handled? How do you feel about it, Jim? And- yeah, no, uh, it was like, I was a really good scene. It's always like in all iterations, even like the Lynch one, it's just a good scene. Cause it just, I think it builds really well. It shows your character development really nicely about who the Atreides are versus the Arconans, how this world operates, where the value of the world and the society is placed, all that kind of stuff while having like a huge amount of tension yeah being built in this like slow way to where like i love that like the first worm's kind of like oh it's five minutes away or something like that it's like something close where you're like okay leave now and like no no no, we're fine like it's five minutes away yeah um <laughs> just to like really build the tension um for spoilers for the book this one does diverge a bit because paul doesn't have visions this mm-hmm. isn't like he doesn't get overwhelmed by the melange which i'm starting to realize where we talked about it with some friends after that his like reaction to being with pure melange is like when in the sand, all the sparkly dust in the sand is what we think of as melange um, is much more interesting than him. Just sort of like he's having the same development in the book, um, but it's kind of like slower and random and just sort of like a little bit, he has some in coffee and it does stuff, but like having him like step out onto the sand and he immediately kind of just like lose himself. Yeah. yeah. And like the sensory overload of all this kind of stuff, um, which spoilers maybe the melange and paul have a future together in the later books um it really sets the tone really nicely for like the relationship between them two um in a way that also builds attention i will say like a little bit of artificially like leaving paul to be helpless as being overwhelmed when like in that scene he's actually really competent and an incredibly good leader one of those signs that like he's going to be a fine leader um he has the skills all kind of stuff like that 
but still great. Um, and as far as the design of the worm goes, I was a little bit underwhelmed when I first saw the whale bristle stuff because I, you know, there's a 12 year old me that's like, no, spiky teeth, like, yeah, show yeah. me the murder machine <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. that I really wanted. But I think this one is much more interesting, like nuanced, like more realistic, honestly, for, for how it actually might exist in, in the world um, and for what the worm is going to play in the future. Like the worm isn't supposed to be a, the Sarlacc pit, right? It's not supposed to be like a right. killing machine thing. It's supposed to be just a, a part of the world like a goldfish is or like a blade of grass, yeah. right? Just sort of like that's there and interesting. Um, and I think the design, like it's grown on me a lot since I first seen it. So, yeah. So I, this is another that scene I actually think is another really great scene to talk about how they densely pack yeah. a lot of information into a scene generally. So uh, when they first talk about the worm, and I think there's like a, a relief that it kind of has a worm on it that we yeah. see earlier. So they do a good job of like kind of telling you like this is coming. It's important. Like they, they mentioned the worms at one point. And Darla's like, well, how big are they? And I was like, but I was like that someone with no context at all is getting these hints about like, Hey, there's these big worms out there mm. and you're like, cool. Like how big, like you, you want, and then you see it and you're like, Whoa, right. It pays off. So they did a good job of like, again, setting something up that, that enough is going into your mind that, that when it trips, it makes sense. Um, they're out there with the doctor. Uh, you, you do get sort of like a, here's what it is. And you get this like Lido is trying. He's already met with the Freeman at that point. He's trying to make this, work he's trying to meet with the people he's trying to work with how the planet works um and so they're out there and when the shit goes wrong and the uh they're not going to be able to get the harvester off the ground before the worm gets there and he's like well we got to save the people like darla's first comment is like oh the doctor's gonna see like that he's different than the harkonnens and i'm like so that like it's there right like it's exactly it's there and that sets up like her helping later like, so I'm like, it's, it's good. They gave you enough. And like in that moment, then they land, we get the focus on Paul and he's like, three of you there, three of you there. Right. He's like trying. Yeah. I like that. I agree. I like that because we can only do so much in the time we have to take it from, I've had some dreams to now suddenly like, oh crap, these visions are like right in my face. They're not just dreams either. They're, and now he knows like having met with the witch and all that, like he's starting to get more of it which helps with like, okay, now his voice works better when he uses it. And the visions towards the end just kind of become like at the same time, other things are happening. Like, right. So it sort of like grows and it takes that next step. So I think all of it, like that all happened in one piece. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it also like talking about just how the worm is spaced out. Like even when you see in that first scene, I, I won't lie. Seeing it on IMAX too, I was like, I want to see more of the worm. I want the worm to like come back and and do some other stuff, uh, just so I can see like the scale again. And you always get to see like the little teases in like later parts of the movie. But the scene where like Paul has to just outrun the worm and then gets to that rock and turns around and it just comes, it comes out. out. Yeah, that's like the best payoff for me yeah. of just being like, oh. Oh, that's what that, yeah. Like we saw a little bit of the, the Sarlacc pit moment of it eating something. And then we've seen it like eat a few other people. And we always know like what the sand does around it, but we've never seen it like fully come up and then turn and kind of like look at something or seem to look and investigate something. I, I agree. I like the kind of baleen mouth over teeth. I think because you have to distance yourself from other 
like there's an it, there's enough things post dune mm-hmm. that yeah. take the sandworm or that kind of stuff and having it it also makes it more like if you just like if you put eyes on it it was sort of removed yeah. Oh, yeah. It Goofy, as well yeah. right so it it, it kind of creates this more like i don't exactly understand it and but it's also like yeah. it's menacing without being like oh it's a big shark yeah. you know sort of like obviously menacing. it's like it's menacing but it's not immediately like oh, this is a horrible thing? It just sort of was like, whoa, this is this is something you have to deal with. This is a big yeah, deal, yeah. right? So also, I think it was a cool... You don't know, like, what it... Like, you don't know what it eats at this point because it obviously can't eat, like... It eats harvesters. It eats, har- <laughs> yeah, it eats harvesters. <laughs> it subsists entirely <laughs> on harvesters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, like, it's not, like, this carnivore that's, like, looking for, like, antelope on the plane to, like, grab. It's just, like, yeah. sifting through the sand, which seems, yeah, so much realistic. And that scene especially, like, even though... Again, I don't think that scene is in the book. I don't think there's like a scene where like the worm just sort of pops up pops out at him at the and looks. But like it's great uh, foreshadowing for the relationship. Like the worm who is considered godlike in the Fremen culture to literally almost bow or like see as equal Paul. Yeah. Right. It's going to be like an incredible. Like I thought those was just incredibly good setting for like oh like the worm even knows something that we don't right that it's almost respecting paul um which is as you might see later on like the fremen actually ride the worms and like there's a bit of a mutual respect and a relationship between the worm one, and people that one, little one dude which like <laughs> i get somebody who almost got to ride it yeah almost a ride <laughs> and then one dude riding in the background yeah i was a little bit kind of like i wish they saved up for the later ones i thought so too yeah because it was like so far in the distance and i was like oh it's just such a small payoff. Yeah. Uh, but people who who didn't read the books or like that, they were much more in. They were like, yeah, Strand Worm writing. And I was like, okay, I, yep, for you. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. good. The, the, yeah, the one thing about the worm writing that I was like, oh, thank God they didn't do that thing. Because Denny Villeneuve runs a tight ship uh, and probably wouldn't allow that shit. But it's the the like Man of Steel camera where you've yes. got action in the distance and they do like a handy cam and then they zoom in on it. Like somebody's watching with a phone nearby. <laughs> oh. Like they, <laughs> if this had been handled by another director, you know that that motherfucker would be zoomed in on and as he's like riding. They'd be like, Whoa, it's all shaking a little bit. And Paul would be like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, have that the was, whole moment. Like, <laughs> like, and like two minutes before it ended too, they did that scene. And I was just like, Oh like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That definitely got me a bit. Um, um, yeah. Talking about, Paul's reaction to the melange like in a raw form like the second one and this is uh talking to some friends a bit and one who's recently read the book um so I've read it most recently a couple like maybe five years ago but first when I was like a teenager so like different mindset entirely and they read it recently and they were really impressed with the scene in the tent after they are first thrown mm-hmm. out from the the mm-hmm. copter um yeah, Paul and his mother is it was yeah, yeah Paul's yeah. mother and they're having like Paul has the breakdown where he sees the future which is I love it because I hope they don't like they're probably not going to get to the future stuff in this series, hopefully, because that's way future stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad they like are touching on like what There's more. Yeah. What happened? Like what might this universe come to be? Um, they have that. And then in the books, Jessica and I am think I'm pretty sure this is correct. And this is my friend is telling me as well um, is that she's so much more emotionally reserved because she's a trained Benny Gesserit witch who like fully control of her body has full like she can do whatever she wants she's you know magical almost um whereas this version she's so much more emotional and actually like shows you the emotion she's having which is so much more impactful and relatable as like oh this is a mother and her son who have just been 
lost their father. Yeah. They are stranded and about to die, like surviving on their own versus like, oh, this is a witch and possibly Superman in the <laughs> yeah. desert <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. to like figure out yeah. a way out of this problem this week. It's like much more interesting <laughs> that way. Um, and I was really impressed with that scene as well. Same with Paul's reaction to his future, which is, you know, just like that to me is like the best part about this book and the series as we'll get into like the world building is really cool and everything like that, but it's also Paul's relationship to his future and especially like how these visions affect his present and affect his emotions. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was just for me like the a good capstone for like, hey, this is what we're gonna and also like spoilers this is my, what we get into later on in the next book is the movie is that's a lot of what's gonna happen and this is a good way to like sort of set the stage for Paul doing what he has to do the different futures that could have happened, his visions, whether or not he fears them or, or looks forward to them and how they're going to play out and like all that emotional turmoil that comes with sort of having like a weird set of prescience. Um, yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Um, Paul is played. I like that he's played more reserved brooding almost with these moments of yeah. emotion, right? Where he like sees Idaho or Gurney and it's kind of like, excited and runs over like a little you know a little bit like a kid yeah yeah. like runs over and and uh and then the just complete breakdown that he has in that tent like he just gets really emotional like freaking out about it um versus your sort of usual which i think he's more in the 84 sort of like your usual like "Ah, i'm the kid from the space planet i want to go back to the play with the ships and Right, like the sort yeah. of like Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah I used to shoot Twomp Rats yeah. in my T-16 or whatever. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> exactly. play him differently here, which I think is good. And then it makes those emotional highs more to kind of see him. Yeah. And then, you know, that you know this is a guy who's conflicted between his family and whatever's happening to his power and the Freeman and the, yeah. like all these different things that are kind of pulling him in these different directions. It's, it's a character that needs to be struggling with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was the thing with with Kyle McLaughlin's is like he was almost like Skywalker's where like you didn't feel the weight of responsibility right. until that last, you know, 30 minutes where all of a sudden the book just happens. Dumps on um, him. Yeah. <laughs> and then he does. But but like before that, you're like, how has this person been raised in nobility for 16 years and has like still a little bit like carefree to sort of like, I guess you can see like Silver Spoon is not that but, person, but like yeah. this one is much more of like a. I think this is better. Air of a yeah, but th- th- that, that's a typing, right? This sort yeah. of like princess that doesn't know how the world works. Like yeah, you, yeah. you, you could go that way, but I think it. I think this is better for what the Agreed. weight of this is, right? This isn't a fantasy thing, right? Yeah. They're trying to play it much more sci-fi. Yeah. I think Jessica's characterization does does bring up another thing that uh, Frank Herbert's book is of its time, and its representation is weak. As and it, while it has female characters, yeah. they're not really played well. And so Jessica giving her a, more to work with, making her a more conflicted character yeah. as well, like seeing her outside the mother, what is it? Ma- what's the matriarch? Whatever. Oh, Gaius Motham? Yeah, like Miami outside of the room, kind of like upset, yeah. you know, about what's happening with Paul and I guess saying what Paul says in his mind. That was that was interesting. Way better than just having kind of like Hamlock and voiceover. A voiceover, yeah. yeah. No, that that was cool. They could have teed it up slightly, you know, but I think it was fine. Like they could have had him say it something else, like she was making him say it, and then yeah. But that it was fine. Like that was fine. Um, and then switching the gender on the doctor, 
Mm-hmm. Um, like we, you know, I think we're going to get more with Zendaya's character in, in later movies. So I'm like, they're they're It was good. Like they made a few tweaks that they needed to make those characters more yeah. modern. Yeah. And a more like relatable. Cause at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. it is going to be a little bit of a white savior colonial. Like he comes to the, yeah. backwater country and yeah. finds the natives and it's like it's yeah gonna, we, get, we get a careful around that yeah. yeah but it does i do think they they take it and without really like changing too much of it they do present it in a much in more interesting light than frank herbert originally did for yeah. sure i will say if you're a zendaya fan i'm sorry you <laughs> you were led astray you're not gonna get completely <laughs> led astray those people who love zendaya is nietzsche i you know? was uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever that one movie was <laughs> i don't even <laughs> abominable something yeah, abominable, yeah. they kept advertising her and it kept being like how far are they are they gonna do a lot like that's what i thought too yeah i was surprised at how how much they got exactly what they needed to get and set yeah. things up and didn't try to overreach yeah if anything they pushed a few things out like are they gonna there's something where i'm like they dropped a couple characters and i'm like are they going to come back to that? Or are they just like, nah, we need to streamline things. Let's not mess around with that. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a adding one more thing to kind of like the, uh, Jessica's character being changed, which I'd heard as well was like, yeah, uh, it, I think it lends a lot more to already the parallel of like the Messiah myth that's being built into it. And what you get, obviously Christianity being like a big proponent of just like, there is a mother who has given birth to the chosen one. And, kind of that that mythos and how there is a bit of like this uh the the, an emotional relationship between a mother and her son and what her son is destined to do supposedly and what what that's going to mean for them and so i felt like it uh it was playing to two of of like things that i really was digging while i was in it which was one is like hey i know this story i know a lot of what what might go here and i wonder what it's gonna twist it into like if i was trying to think of it as the unspoiled by Jim audience goer, uh, <laughs> um, which is what Dixon's experience was. Uh, and, and when he talked to me, he was like, yeah, it was, it was kind of like this movie that just went, uh, I felt like it could, uh, it, I don't know what it's going to do in the next one, but I'm kind of worried that it might go one way or another. And I was like, no, I feel like it's going to be good. Jim told me it was be good. I trust you. <laughs> well, that's the kind of weird thing. Cause I think a lot of the, like catharsis that we're going to, we want to feel about Paul's story comes in, at least in the books, in books two, three, and four, or two and three and four like that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, although for the listeners who haven't read the books, I don't necessarily yeah. read them if you're interested, but I don't recommend them. Yeah, they fall off They fall off fast. <laughs> but like, it's a really good setup for some, like what could have been some interesting things later on. And like the catharsis in Dune is, I like, I'm curious to see how they're going to like bring in some of the themes from the later works without necessarily going into them as yeah. much. I would think you can do a little bit of what they did in the Hobbit, not the Hobbit his problems aside, but there's a couple well, and, and a little bit in Lord of the Rings where they pulled things from Cimmerillion yeah. or later, you know, pulled things from Lord of the Rings directly into the Hobbit movie to like, right. We can kind of smooth over some edges that, like Tolkien later was like, oh, wait, this makes sense. Yeah. The, there's some things like in Dune, right, That in the later books that kind of like, oh, they fill in a little bit of gap or they add some syntactic sugar yeah. right into something. You're like, oh, that's better. That makes that a little bit better. You can pull those and without having to wait to get to that, right? Yeah. So I hope mm-hmm. they, they have an opportunity to do a little bit of that. Yeah, especially with all the vision stuff, like especially when yeah. you're about to like enter yeah. a world in which like past and future and present are all intertwined. It's like you can pretty much do. So I hoping they use that a lot to bring a lot of those sort of like, this is what this story is going to tell us about humanity forward because yeah. 
yeah, they're going to need that in, in book two for sure. Uh, I will, I will say what well, on the aside on Jessica, when she's sitting with Leto and is like, Leto turns to her and is like, Oh, I wish I, I married you. And Darlo's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, was, yeah. yeah, she's like a concubine. She's like, what? And I was like, yeah, they didn't really. Hard to explain. Yeah, they didn't even, yeah, they didn't explain that. I was like, that kind of just got skipped. That was, uh, yeah, that was another thing. Dixon was just like, yeah, these characters, they like set up, you know, Duke Leto, he just kind of comes in and then he's like brought out, like at, at one, he's taken out effectively. And he's like, yeah, it's, you know, classic Dixon. The character work just didn't seem like it was there for me kind of thing. Uh, Dixon, I know you're listening. Um, uh, wherever you are, <laughs> whoever's got you. <laughs> forcing you to listen to this. Yeah, uh, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Dixon and I talked about it and I was just like, I, I think that that's partially be, like why they brought in the actors they brought in to play some of these roles in these scenes, like Oscar Isaac saying like, I wish I had married you. Yeah. Kind of the way that he brought the emotional weight to it, even though it it is this kind of like, wait, what? What's going on with this? It still has... Like going back and watching it, you're able to piece together a lot of context from just how he delivers it. Yeah. And the like setting and dressing for that and his just uh, his expression. Um, even talking to Paul when they're on Caledon, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. When they're on Caledon, that that conversation about like my dad tried to give me, you know, the ring and I wasn't ready for it and that kind of thing. It these like small conversations that uh, we're getting to see that are about big political things, like big moves or just personal like very personal, intimate facts and, and wishes um, are just given so much more weight by the acting and the direction given here. Uh, and that was kind of like where I felt these, these actors, it's not an Oscar Isaac film. Oscar Isaac is brought in to give it more gravity yeah. and more relatability to how he delivers it. I think the characterizations are all good. Dixon's complaint typically is like, there isn't character growth. It's like, well, it's not, he's not a character there to grow. He's a catalyst for other things. Yeah. Um, uh, which is tricky, right? Like a lot of what we get is like our starting cast is not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they're there to, to push Paul and, and move forward. Yeah. They, they, and they're not, they're also not necessarily like, this is where we get into the conversation. We've had it several times about the refrigerator problem, the woman in a refrigerator or the yeah. person in a refrigerator or something like that. Where Jim, I'm you, sorry. Are you not Please familiar explain. with this? Yeah. So, okay. Let's just recap real quick. Yeah. Real quick. With like the, the green lantern, how, no, not how, yeah, how is Hal Jordan. Yeah. It was, yeah. At some point that another author came along is like, well, we need to accelerate Hal Jordan into a new plot line. So his girlfriend's dead and they like someone doesn't matter, chopped her up and shoved her into the fridge and so he comes in and like opens the fridge and she's dead. And so that character was used, death was used just to accelerate his storyline, right? It was just like, we needed to get him somewhere else. Uh, Gail Simone wrote like a blog post about that. And so she coined that term of like yeah. girlfriend in the fridge or girl in the refrigerator or whatever is kind of what you would say of sort of like, we took a character or crafted a character, usually a woman mm -hmm. to kill her to be like, now he has a reason to be upset. Could talk about antlers later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So yeah, that's that okay. idea of like, okay, we're we just doing this because we need something to push something yeah. else without actually feeling like it naturally happen. But even if there's like this not, does like I was like yeah, we're not yeah, saying this yeah. does, but it's a good example of like yeah, he's there. He is a character. It makes sense why he's there. It makes sense why he yep. maybe overstepped too far was in a situation he couldn't handle. Like yeah. it mm -hmm. all kind of makes sense there. Yeah. There are other well, motivators that kick off the catalyst that kill these people that then 
it provide more fuel for the fire, right? Yeah. yeah. Instead of just like, I'm Paul and I ride around in a speeder and oh no, my mom's dead when I got home. Uncle Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, no, yeah. you're all whatever. No, yeah. Who will make the blue uh, milk now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, in this in this story, right, like Paul is obviously gonna be our character that grows and, and changes right. a lot. I mean, Jessica hopefully actually might be one as well that grows and changes. But like just because a character doesn't grow and change like oscar mm-hmm. isaac and, and duke leto i think they did a really good job of setting up his internal conflict mm-hmm. and just what it's about enough to ruminate like that i feel like i can like ruminate on leto's story without leto having to grow but i can grow from it from like seeing the sort of like dichotomy of duty versus like the very and i love that they were so explicit about it in the movie because the book there is no there's this is not a twist world in the 60s there's no like <laughs> we're not obligated to be like surprised at the end they telegraph the trap from page one on mm-hmm. and they do it in the movie really well they too. do yeah yeah which is great but like that dichotomy of of leto's character between like the duty and knowing it's a trap and still doing it anyway i think it's like really interesting and a good like set of a good character to have despite the fact that he doesn't grow he, he just does the thing that he's supposed to do and and dies yeah yeah as he's but supposed I, to you talk, you mentioning like it being a trap. I think it was good that they just are like they. I mean, that's like the first thing they say. Yeah. Like this is a gift. It's not a gift, right? And like, things like that mm-hmm. that they say at the beginning to tell you like this is dangerous in what they're going into. Yeah. Um, I guess the like you as a watcher are like, oh, they're gonna overcome it, right? Like, and just someone watching it would be like, oh, it's gonna be interesting to see how they they're the good guys coming in, right? And they're gonna work with the Freeman and. And do things differently, and it gives you all of those beats. So the twist is more of like, nope, yeah, it was a trap. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and they're completely destroyed. Yep. Yeah, like th- that. It's overwhelming that it went that far, that bad for them that yeah. you want to cheer for. Um, so I think it's that's good, right? Like, yeah. you know, that's what they try to nail without trying to pretend for like a modern one way or another surprise kind of yeah. wants. Yeah, especially especially when you end up book one too, right? Where it's like you definitely end in the yeah you need the, to be done down note. What is it, yeah. the midnight of the soul or whatever like that? Sorry, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, just they, they they those those tiny bits of performances that and that brings up another good point, Jim. That uh, just characters don't necessarily always need to change. Sometimes they remaining static is what they're what provides the catalyst for other characters to embrace change and so it's one of those things where like i was gonna say or not even like my example is like lebowski or not even at all yeah you get to a point no one changes yeah that are great characters if anything the point is the lebowski just keeps on going he just yeah he has nothing to yeah there's nothing more than that It, it doesn't always need to to say something and the characters don't always need to grow necessarily it is it's and it doesn't need to be a slice of life story either. It can still be like its own dramatic tale with characters that don't grow. They just are there and em- embrace their roles. And it's more about if they are fully fleshed out and believable as characters themselves, not so much like, all right, we established that they're at point A and they're going to go to point B. Like Leto was going to, no matter what, he's very noble. You can already tell from how he carries himself, how he talks to Paul. And that whole scene at the end, the confrontation where he's like stripped naked and brought before Baron Harkonnen, um, just like he's going to do the poison tooth thing. Like, you know, he's trying to wait for it. He's a strategist to the end. Even when he's lost, he's still trying to like lose a little bit less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and that was like, that's such a, that scene was really cool as well. Um, 
just the they set up kind of that's when they do their whole like gluttony reference for Baron. Uh, but even having him walk over and sit at the table and then like like turn on the he has his own little ring instead of a wristband and stuff. Another <laughs> cool little nod where it's like doesn't have to be a wristband for everybody. You can't just be like, oh, no, I, that, that's that means they have shields on or something. It's like people can get their shit customized, apparently. Um, <laughs> and then I'm leaning in and getting like the poison gas and it just fills the room and kills everybody except for him who I guess he and those two do- the ceiling. Yeah. Those two dudes that just like close the door. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh shit. shit. And they like, close the door and I was like, those guys are, <laughs> those guys, yeah. They don't even care that the Baron's in there. Like, Yeah. When the Baron fully recovers, he's going to have those guys killed. He's yeah. going to figure out who those guys are. <laughs> I will say I was really, really excited for the guy playing Peter DeVries, who is oh, the Mentat for the Baron. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked him as an actor. I liked Peter DeVries as a character. I thought they were really well. Um, obviously, that character did not need much to do, so <laughs> they didn't have much to do in the movie, um, which is a little bit of a shame, but uh, yeah. I kind of wish, you know, if we were going to do an HBO spinoff, Ryan's right, just do Peter DeVries. Because yeah. also he's addicted to drugs. Like, that's the red... The red ah. lip is a drug addiction in this world. Yeah, there's Same a bunch of stuff here. that's, like, there, yeah, right? That, yeah, they yeah. don't really talk about. I think that when you're... When you're adapting something like this that you know the source material is yeah. is really good and has a lot to go with, I think doing it this way where it's like you stay honest to all of it, you yeah. may not mention everything, you may not follow every beat, allows then a viewer who's like digs it to go read Dune and find more. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, and they exactly. don't go in being disappointed that things aren't what they expected and and they just find more, right? I think yeah. that's exactly what you should come away from in an adaptation is like yeah. it did it the way it needed to and finds more. Or you just are like the shining, you just go a whole new yeah. that's fine too. Yeah. But I think that that that's a Stephen like, King That's a different book. yeah, that's a that's yeah. a different thing where you go or Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Like which I do think Android's Dream of Electric Sheep is amazing, but it's different. Yes. But it's okay. Like you find the things in there and you're like, oh yeah. it's this or this, right? You should go back and be able to like yeah, should, yeah, yeah. have both and enjoy them. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the person who who plays um, it was David Destmalchian who plays who is, yeah. uh, Peter Devries, and he is also like Polka Dot Man. Yeah, he's, was, yeah, he's, he's like everywhere. He's Polka Dot yeah. Man. He was uh, yeah, he was in Dark Knight, and I remember his face. I thought he was Cillian Murphy when I first saw him. Yeah, and realized he wasn't. He's and just like a cop or whatever. Just a dude. He? No, I, or is he? yeah, he plays like one of the Joker's goons or something. That was like a just, cop that gets turned or something. Yeah, yeah or something yeah. like that. Or yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. He oh, pretends yeah, to be yeah. a cop. And he wears cop. like yeah. Scarecrow's mask at 1.2, right. I thought, or yeah. I don't know. But it's yeah, so there's like some stuff where I'm just like, I like this guy. I like his face. I've seen him in a lot of things. <laughs> I will say, so on the topic of, of lore building in that kind of world, the one reverse thing I noticed they did, which I don't believe in the book, they talked about the the battle rites uh ceremony on salas seconds for the the actual name is Sadarkar, um <laughs> not Sadarkar, <laughs> Sadarkar. um was not in the book but oh man was that just like every like all of the nerds in my row that we were sitting with all turned to one another were like yes, yes this is correct this is all i want from like a battle rights like a space cult of like blood and then death and destruction yeah to, like, start Man, that was cool yeah i wish what? i had nerds in my audience i had these guys who snickered every time they said desert power i was like are they snickering because they're nerds or are they snickering because it sounds cheesy i think it sounds cool <laughs> Somebody turned to me and said desert power and showed me a fist. I'd be like, yeah, desert yeah, power, desert whatever power. that means. Well, all right, we're on. <laughs> we're going to do it. That's what the Scorpion King got, actually. That's oh, yeah. Officially, we are. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we we have poured over quite a lot of this movie, yeah. and we've mixed in a lot of references to the book and kind of how that goes. Like it, okay, Jim, what is your like recommendation, Jim and Ryan? I had what one are your more question, real quick. Oh, let's do so it. The, the one complaint Darla had uh-huh. is at the end, like our climax is Paul fighting Jamis in I don't know whatever they call it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. battle to the death. The Darla was like, wait, okay, 10 seconds ago, you're like, let's kill these dudes. It's not worth our time to even mess with them because of the water consumption. But then it's like, nope, now we're having a fight to the death. Like she was felt like that all kind of happened in a way that didn't quite feel natural or didn't quite make sense to her. Yeah. I was kind of like, well, it's yeah, I was like, they didn't. It's kind of their culture. And he mentions the bit about like, well, Jessica should be a leader because she how did you but then we can't fight jessica and you got to fight like it, it's sort yeah. of like all kind of quickly happened to get to that well mm-hmm. there's also a bit where like paul steals uh yeah whatever and like that is a huge affront but like it's not mentioned as well like that's also like a triggering thing yeah um, it's just like you haven't earned that but that's all it's just one comment <laughs> and the one vision that you have of this in the past is of jamas being a friend of right. paul help, yeah. and helping him out so if you don't know that's a vision necessarily you're expecting the visions all to be true and you're like what the yeah that was her like, question what? afterwards yeah. she's like was that the guy that she saw and i was like yeah and she was like well wait he was and i was like i, I guess you could interpret the vision as like and then that's where she was like okay so the so he did help because it did bring him into the fremen yeah but it wasn't what we saw and i was like yeah yeah, yeah all right sure, so sure. i was like that that got across but she was still just like why like why the sudden fight and yeah. like wh- why waste our energy on something like this if we were so concerned about not wasting yeah. our energy earlier well don't worry we're about to get to the conservation of water Right in the next, I think they're going to open with the funeral, and like that's going to right. Come. And I was, yeah, they take the body, and I was like, they're going to use that, and they're going to use that, yeah. And I was like, but I think she was just like, it just seemed like suddenly, yeah. Oh, we're having a fight over boyish concerns. Yes. <laughs> also, like we like it was a correct, like it was a traditional, like sort of rising action climax, and then a lot of falling action to get us there. Yeah, but it was one of those things where like compared to modern day like films it was a little bit like weird to be like oh yeah they sort of like our climax was half an hour an hour ago and we're just sort of like gonna end on a small fight like yeah a small little knife fight and which I, I don't think that was, was cool. the problem i think yeah. it was i think that was good i think yeah. it just sort of was like yeah since we haven't really learned anything about, anything about them yeah. they'll like suddenly have this kind of important thing and then that's and then we're done <laughs> that's it <laughs> and then it's like yeah yeah so i think that was where she was just a little caught off guard of like, well, I don't even understand what happened there. And then, and then I think that you then are kind of, it's yeah. over and you don't really get to sit. Cause I wonder if they would have ended it at them just being lost in the desert, like after the ecological station Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. would have been injured. Like there's a lot of good places to end it. The, yeah. the next major scene in the next movie after that's a good place I, to end it too. Like, yeah, I'm I think this why. was, well, I think it was as good either here yeah. or next. Mm-hmm. I think it was good because we needed we still needed a bit of a nibble mm. to go forward. Mm. And he's seen Zendaya, but we didn't actually get to her. <laughs> that right. Been, yeah. So that would have been really confusing. So I think it was good to be like, okay, this is okay. She's real. Yeah. And here she is. And then you get this the bit with Jimus and are like, okay, well he was real t- too. But then, and then like, well, what's the, you right. You can kind yeah. of sit here over the next couple of years and be like, what's going on next? What's coming. Right. And that's what, you need yeah right is a, enough of a hook at the end to be like i want to see where this is going 
Uh, I want to see what happens with this when I come back. I think if you were just like there in the desert, it's a hook, but it's a cliffhanger between episodes of the week. Yeah. Not yeah. hang around for two years. Wait around. Because you like know that forum, this, yeah. yeah, these good, these interesting things are going to happen. Also, and that's, that's, then you yeah. get the like, oh, there's a guy riding a sandworm. And yeah. right. So you sort of have these <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. all right, there's other things to go on. Not just like, I wonder what happened to them in that desert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, probably died. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. You should watch that. Yeah. That, that would have been, yeah, if they'd ended in the desert, that would have been some like, that's the that's the studio saying we haven't really given it the green light. Yeah, yet. just in case. Like, yes, the moment yes. it ends, I was like, okay, yeah, there's gonna be. I mean, it started with part one, but you never know. And then it ended, and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, they're definitely gonna green light part two. There's no way. And it was like the next day. It was like the day after it released. They were just like, yeah, part two has been green lit. I was like, okay, cool. So you like hyped up they, that whole part. Why did they wait? I uh, know why they uh, waited in the first place mm-hmm. because this exact same thing Jim said. As soon as they announced this movie, I was like. Well, that's going to be awful. Yeah. <laughs> that was my thought. And yeah, I can see where maybe they were sitting there being like, this could cost a lot of money and be terrible. Yeah, like we've got to be really careful. Contract, yeah, we yeah. cannot yeah. Dig, like drag ourselves out if this turns out to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. And then, But I'm certain like, based on what I've seen, I'm fairly certain the executives sat down on that first print and were like, yes. Like we're good, mm-hmm. but like, and I guess maybe secretly green. But don't tell one? anybody. Like, don't yeah. tell anybody. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just there like, was very much like where they. Pro- I bet they turned and they were like, "Look, okay, we when we did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, a lot of people were like Blade Runner, like it's coming back, really that kind of thing." And it was. Oh, I think a lot was, of people were like, like "Wait, what?" Yeah, they were just like, "What?" <laughs> okay, Blade and still like it to this day. Yeah, it, they're but, wrong, but you know. Yeah, um, I'll find but them. it was. <laughs> But it's good, and and like that, you know, it, it just didn't do. I feel like it didn't, it didn't do, do well. well. Yeah, right. Well. It didn't do well at the box yeah. office. It's just really well made, but it didn't do well. And so I feel like this was their card where they're like, "Denny, baby, we love you. We want to work with you." But like, the movies that you want to make, sometimes they don't bring people into the box office. And yeah. this two parter, three parter thing, I don't know. So maybe what we do is, if we like it, we'll greenlight you, but we'll keep it hush until after it releases. And we'll just use that as a drum up thing. You know, it's the dagger of Damocles. Oh, if you don't go watch, <laughs> yeah. all the fanboys don't go watch uh-huh. it, then it's, gonna, yeah. it's not going to happen. You try to unify them because, yeah. you know, Marvel is going to keep rolling where it's going to keep rolling. DC is going to, I guess, keep trying to do stuff. Uh, it Those are always things that are going to keep being thrown at it. But like Dune is going to be a one and only, like we one shot it and then we'll have to wait, you know, however many more decades to yeah. try again. Well, also probably, I mean, they probably were so hesitant to green anything in the pandemic and given the LHBO That's true. Max, like this yeah. movie was supposed to come out in 2020. 20? last year yeah, yeah. like in uh march I, so like yeah I mean, yeah um they probably were like gonna greenlit it and then all of a sudden we're like oh everything is what's gonna yes, happen yeah. with movies yeah <laughs> do people even want to watch like two-hour movies at home will they just be on their phones the entire time like what's gonna happen yeah so, yeah Zack so. snyder showed them four hours worth with no. four hours of nothing and people watched it <laughs> 20 years that's what years the pandemic has done that's us. right and they're demanding the suicide oh no it's suicide like, squad cut right is it the, the suicide, suicide squad, squad cut or is it yeah, yeah i don't fucking remember i think they wanted suicide squad that's right cut. yeah yeah, yeah there you go 20 years 30 we years got the now, good the suicide squad cut we're gonna look back and be like man Zack snyder's the justice league cut really defined the new phase of movies <laughs> We were getting real like shallow there for a bit, oh, but now we're back into our like intermission style six hour gone with them in movies, and it's all thanks to Zack Snyder. I just got this like this like image of uh, of of Ryan is like Paul Atreides, and he's having the flash the of flash. like Phase Five for Marvel, but then it's like DC gets its own like phase, it's and Marvel it, closes yeah. it. Out. <laughs> um, I will. Yeah. Uh, I want to do one last complaint 
about the movie, and that's because I started watching the sci-fi original TV series movies thing, which are actually really fun as long as you accept that they're a play for TV. Um, Yeah. They're basically, yeah. yeah. Um, The the refrain when Chiani comes in to all of the visions is she constantly says, tell me of the waters of your homeworld, Usul. Um, And that, like, as a child, that has stuck with me to like, I close my eyes and I can still hear that exact voice. I like, hear that in my dreams. I hear that in my waking moments. It's just kind of making me gone crazy over the years. Um, and there was a severe lack of that one line in this movie. And I was like, you had one job, Denny. One job. <laughs> Give me the line. Um, you gave these sad. this row of nerds the other stuff. I know. Like, you gave the Harkonnens, you gave the Geiger print. Like, give me the stupid <laughs> sci-fi channel line. That's all I want. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, if there's nothing else to bring up, uh, I'm curious what both of y'all would recommend in terms of, like, reading the books or, like, how you'd approach this. For somebody who, let's say it is somebody who just watched, this is the first time they've had an experience with Dune. And now they're kind of like, whoa, do I want to get into the books? Do I want to go watch the David Lynch one? What, what, what is an experience you would recommend? What's your watch order from this? Yeah, well, watch it's, read order? it's more just like, do you, would you prefer that? Because uh, Sasha was talking about rewatching the David Lynch one. She's very curious now because she was like, I watched it and I remember being completely blazed out of my mind and I don't remember <laughs> anything about it. Uh, one thing is she wasn't it, even smoking. That yeah, was just exactly. watching David Lynch. It was Lynch. just weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like what is your kind of Dune? How would you prep somebody for this or what, what's your ultimate Dune experience? Oh, win a one way, all expenses paid trick ticket to, to Frank Herbert's wonderful <laughs> land. To Arrakis world. Yeah, to Arrakis <laughs> world. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's definitely a Harkonnen trick somewhere. That's right? absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You're just going to be stuck mining. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. forever. It's like that Futurama episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Going on vacation. <laughs> vacation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's start with Jim. What would you? Sure. Yeah. Um, this movie, like, I would not have recommended a lot of other media. The TV, sci-fi TV movie series is interesting if you're, like, a big nerd and are, have a nostalgic place for, like, 2000 sci-fi channel Andromeda and, like, unfortunately, all of the Kevin Sorbo uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. <from the> movie. <laughs> yeah. Before, Which, yeah. Yeah. Before he got crazy. Before, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Pure Before he realized who he was. Sorbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, David Lynch is, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're a Lynch head, in which case you've already seen it. Um and I really actually recommend the the documentary of Jordowski's Dune if you're just a sci-fi fan in general because it's really like illuminating for how much of sci-fi is based around uh, that attempted work. Um, but yeah, no, this movie, honestly, if you didn't want to read the book, if you were anti-reading, um, which I understand, uh, I think the book does, the movie does a great job. Like, it's not one of those where I'm like, you have to read the book to really understand what's going on. Like, you're (laughs) just a moving arm. Yeah, I gave up on the Harry Potter movies because I gave up on the Harry Potter books. And when I got out of the Harry Potter movies, everybody's like, the books are way better. And I was like, that's just pushing me farther away from reading those books. (laughs) But like, that is one where like the books and movies diverge a lot. And you're like, yeah, there's two different worlds and two different, like you have fun. This one's pretty close. But I will say, if you're looking, if, if you're hankering for a dune, and you're in between the years 2021 and 2023, yeah. um, I recommend reading the book. It's pretty good. Just note, it is very much new wave 60s sci-fi, very much of its time, which is a lot of it just, it has a lot of, um, you know, it doesn't hold up as well nowadays in our normal sci-fi. Like you can't read N.K. Jemison and then go back and read Frank Herbert and be like, oh, these are similar. Like they're going to be radically different type of things. Mm-hmm. Um but if you if you contextualize it properly, I think it's like still pretty interesting and still a pretty fun fun time. Um, 
and uh, read the sequels at your own risk. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and like overall, like I recommend the movie for sure. I think again, yeah. If your book <laughs> book afraid, or it's like ah, it looks too big, too dense, or the the movie's great. Like it's a great way to go. It's enough to start to get you interested in the next one. I think there's probably people who are going to watch this and then go read the book before the next one comes out and they're going to be fine. Enjoy that. Enjoy the next one too. Like they're all going to work together and, and, and I think be enjoyable. Uh, I do know that there was at least a girl on the plane behind me that was reading Dune because she knew this movie was coming out and she was excited to get into it. Didn't want to watch the movie to spoil anything. Was going to read the whole book and then watch the movie. And I was like, that's something you do too. If you're like always, I've always wanted to read Dune, like go ahead and read it. Now you have a reason to, um, I will say this cuts a lot of the politics lean. Like this is the lean cut of just what you need of the politics. It, a lot of people I've known that have tried to read Dune, like give up because you get in and it's a little dense. It's a little bit world building. It's politics before you kind of get to it. It takes off at the fall of yes. Atreides, right? Like it, once that happens, you're kicked into action and you're going. So for the book, it takes a bit to get to that. And it's not exactly clear. Sometimes you're like, what's who, like some of that, where the visual can kind of give you a bit clearer, like here's what's going on. Yeah. Um, so it's certainly like a, there's a denseness where I think the movie maybe will kickstart that for people where he's like, oh yeah, now I've seen it and I can get through that because I know the good stuff's coming and the stuff I don't know is even further in the book and I'll get to that. Um, Yorowski's doing totally. Yeah, great documentary. We, I like Yorowski. It's a good that you get to see a lot of him, all of all of the yep. crazy of him. Yep. Uh, hear all the tales, and then yeah, to hear how it kicked off so many other mm-hmm. people's careers. Like that mm-hmm. was really interesting. How much it like kicked off sci like defined sci-fi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of amazing because it's one of those things where like you know, even. <laughs> anything that's considered a failure is never necessarily a failure. Like the, it just ripples out into other things. And uh, like Yodorowsky's doing, it's just a great example of like a heavy influence of, I think Ryan, at one point you, you maybe said it that like Yodorowsky has like this, uh, he's almost kind of like, he's got a hypnotic, like Messiah esque power. Yeah. He is the Paul yeah. Atreides yeah. Yeah. of yeah. trying to make a dune where he was just able to show up with he, people and be like, and then there they were. And I just said, you should make this film with me. And they said, yes. Yeah. And that's like all of his stories just boiled down. He just to drew that. people in around yeah. him. Like, okay. He just couldn't get the accountant, like everything yeah. else. That was the one part person he couldn't get through. Was just well, I mean, he dug himself money. a $2 million hole in the 1970s. Yeah. So like, yeah. No yeah. accountant so, worth their weight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> going to work on that. <laughs> Follow that. Um, yeah. yeah. So the, you talk about, okay, the miniseries, I watched it as well when it was coming out because I'd read Dune yeah. and I'd seen 84 Dune and no one knew it wasn't any good. And I was like, here's a chance at it. It, it failed as well. Uh, it stuck closer to the book, but you know, I think, yeah, the nerd in me was kind of like, all right, get in here and see the things. And it, that was, you know, in 2000, there have been enough sort of failing attempts that it was sort of like, yeah, this stuff's just never really going to exist. I think I was about as jaded about superhero stuff at that time, too. I'm like, yeah, it's just not going to work. Uh, to where now I'm like, yeah, it's it can work. It's Things have worked. And Dune's a great example of like the technology has gotten there. The filmmaking has gotten there to like be okay with giving it its space. We've had like honestly took Lord of the Rings to be like, hey, we can do kind of big stuff and people will watch it and and we don't have to like 
explain it all to them and like treat them like babies. They can like enjoy it. Um, and so that, I think this is in that same theme where it's going to keep going like that. 84 Dune. I know it has a cult following. John and I can tell you plenty of cult movies you should go watch instead that are enjoyable on their own. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not even, a, it's not good as like a cult film to go watch no. to like laugh at either. It's like, only cool from like a special effects. Like if you're really trying to dig into the effects behind it, you're super into miniatures and perspective messing with like how they bring together a lot of the visuals. But like yeah. you're not gonna get from yeah. like a museum perspective. From like yeah, if you're really yeah. into how the eighties were doing yes. visual effects. I mean yeah. you're looking at you yeah, which is what, you know, hmm. having again just gone through a thirty one day gauntlet of sixties to <laughs> modern day film, it it can be very fascinating. But again, if you just are gonna watch it on your own and be like, Yeah, I'm gonna watch this and I think I'm gonna enjoy it, like it, 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 you're not No, it, it's sort of like the the every man's like here's a weird bad movie mm-hmm. i think like that's yeah. that's a sort of like oh you know just dipping your toe into like oh that was weird you're on like but the precipice like, of darkness yeah it's yeah. like it's still <laughs> comfortable enough yes there's a deep end over there yeah, yeah. we don't have to yeah. get all the way into yeah. yeah you're standing on the steps of kaladin and somebody's handing you the copy of 84 dune and telling you that you're going to go to this other planet where there are more movies like it yeah, yeah. and uh that's yeah that's basically yeah. the arrakis of bad movies and then and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then scorpion thunderbolt just yes comes down from the sky and ends you. <laughs> yes, was, they all worship the god to me, Wizzo. <laughs> the mighty sand god. Uh, I will say you mentioned the book, um, which I, I haven't given a recommendation for the book in a while, so you're totally right that politics are like, making it. one hope I have is that now the Game of Thrones has broken through, I think there is a more of an appetite for like, high politics like high family politics true, intrigue true. which might be interesting there for me there is a point in the book like it was very specific action that like happens that to me changes the book in half like two halves entirely and the first half is interesting and good sci-fi and like fun romp the second half for me is like what has sold me for oh, so many years if you're re- if you're listening to this and you want to read dune just for me push through to that second half because it there is a market change it's yeah. very fun, I think. Very yeah. interesting. I agree. Yeah, it's 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 one of those where it's like hard to get into, yeah. but you can get to a point where it all begins to click and, and run. It's like it's like the Hobbit. No. It's not <laughs> bringing the Hobbit. Or actually, I, well, no, no, no. I would say actually, like, well, the Hobbit, maybe not. So, the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get past, uh, you got to get over some just like crap at the beginning. A lot before of meals really starts and parties. To, yeah, and, where it really starts yeah. to farm, We're walking through farmland for fucking three chapters. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. you're still in the Shire. Yeah. It's, yeah, those super cuts where it's like every, it's it's Lord of the Rings, but every step Sam takes is he says like, I'm one this step farther from him. <laughs> this is the first step from him. It's, not, yeah, it's, it's like, basically how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff before Rivendell in the book yeah. that I'm just like, oh yeah. And when you go back, yeah. Right, you if you've like read yeah. through all of it and you go back, you actually really appreciate what it's doing and the and the like the feeling of them getting pushed beyond their what they know and then even further to that and then getting into some real danger yeah. and like it, it does expand for them. That's like great when you yeah. read it, you're like, oh, I understand what all this is, is. But when you have no context, you're like, wow, nothing is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the same way, I would say yeah. like with Dune, like you go back and it's like, oh, it's interesting all the political pieces falling in place. Um, but yeah, when you have no context, you're like, well, like well, I don't care who these people are. Yeah. Like, the yeah. I do think like you mentioned Game of Thrones, that's actually something that 
Martin does well yeah. in that he keeps you engaged while he's feeding you a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that would be confusing. That when you come back later, you realize, like, if you read it again, you're like, oh, like, it really all clicks and you see all these inner workings. Yeah. But he managed to, like, distract you with some other crap at the same time. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I, I, I wonder if that, I would like to see a future world building like that. Yeah. Where this, I think, like, I liked in the Dune movie that they gave us just, like, enough to get going and kind of kept us going. Yeah. But there still is a little before you really get to any thing happening happening well, and they flipped it like martin did a lot of like the main part was the characters with the background of like little political machinations happening whereas right doing it was just very forefront like hey we're gonna do a lot of political setup first and the characters will emerge out of the politics as our characters and that kind of like i liked this movie where they did they focus more on the characters to start yeah they did the martin kind of like treatment of it versus yeah. just yep. like well like the yeah. what you mentioned with leto yeah like that little moment and that little speech like you like him yeah and, you know, like darla was like oh he's like a you know a king that isn't like pushing it on his son like that's cool yeah, yeah. and you got what you needed and that's exactly like martin like in the chapter you get like a character you're like well i like this character i yeah. want to follow him bad idea don't do that but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but no but he gets it yeah. across so yeah. fast where you're like oh this is a cool person like this is an interesting person like every time you meet someone yeah. he's so quick to get you to like like them or hate them <laughs> yeah, yeah. so fast that yeah then you get locked into them as characters to get through all this other stuff yeah yeah i, I will... like sam at the beginning like in lord of the rings like sam yeah, right yeah. and he's listening in on the window and he falls through oh, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i do appreciate that darla has told you her thoughts and emotions on literally every single scene in the entire movie i feel like i've watched it with her yeah we don't well, go to the movie theater so we can both just talk just talk through it <laughs> yeah I got, I got to sit with Wonderful. i got to sit through uh, black widow with them it was pretty fun nice. <laughs> I get to sit off to the side. I got shushed once too. I was like, this isn't oh. fair. I'm trying to play by the same rules. Earn your right. Earn your right to speak. Yeah. John. He hasn't earned it. He has to kill Ryan or somebody in combat. It's, it, yeah. It's, it's funny what movies we'll watch where we'll both like talk like this is this like game of Thrones. There's certain ones where like, yeah, when we watch something that you like, we pause and talk about it yeah. a little bit. Cause you're so in it yeah. and enjoying it and all that. And then there's plenty where like, we were supposed to be kicking back and being quiet, but I'm bad about like and Logan and Ella too, <laughs> <laughs> like talking like constantly about yeah, everything yeah. and reacting to everything. I can tell when Darla's engaged when she's also like, "Well, what's that? Why did that happen? What's that?" Like she can, yeah. she'll talk about it versus like just sitting back and being like, yeah. "Cool." Like honestly, we talked during Eternals. Yeah, there was some back and forth dialogue. We talked about a few things that happened there. Like it's intriguing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like, I'll know Sasha's really engaged in something if she is completely silent, and I can I, I don't see the glow of her phone out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> I know that she has been gripped by something, and occasionally, well, when she's whenever she's blazed and watching Dune eighty four, <laughs> she's paying attention as well because she's just like, "What the fuck is this guy's deal? What's going on here?" But it's way more from just the disorientation of yeah. being intoxicated and watching David Lynch's nineteen eighty four Dune. Yeah, that'll do uh, it. To you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, yeah. Again, like this movie, Sasha had already read Dune going into it and was super was just nerding out about it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I have no idea what's going to happen in it. And the whole time, she would occasionally just nudge me when stuff like she was doing like you know Morse code for like it's 
fucking happening and it was in the book and i don't know what the fuck <laughs> it is so i just get these like kind of nudges where I'd just be like okay and then i would hear her like occasionally be like, <laughs> like look over she like very like giddily looking at whatever's on screen i was like eh, i guess it's something big i don't know there's no other nerds near me that i can see this <laughs> see, the, uh, yeah, the see them doing it i was like this is cool sure i'm getting a contact high here <laughs> uh how did the sign language work Oh, like the like way that visually? they, yeah, well, like I thought it for me personally, I thought it did because it's like there was a sign language. It right, was important. Right. And usually you just cut it out because like, but mainly you just see like one, oh, two fingers and, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's not enough to clearly be. Oh, right. Well, that, yeah. No, I'm Ryan, just they saying. They don't have I'm ASL and Arrakis. Yeah. Unless it's Arrakis sign language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Language. I thought that was a little bit where, like, there were a couple times where I'm like, all right, we've only seen like well, finger wiggling and two, it's, it's two got signs, a whole yeah. sentence. Conveniently, the, the, the three sentences they said all require just two fingers. Yeah, that's it. This. Yeah, there's actually a whole lot more to it, but that's all they need. My <laughs> name is Jim. It's a way more complicated. Like, yeah. Gesture and <laughs> emotion. foot for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but those ones get out and he's yeah. mute are very quite, very easy yeah. to do. Yeah. There was a, that was a little yeah. bit. I will say also, side note, uh, we're fucking to the closed captioning for this because that's how my wife and I watch everything because mm-hmm. we're getting old. Uh, the cl- I hate this. It happens. The closed captioning says... Sign language. Yes. So, or <laughs> I'm like over the caption. Over the caption that's oh, saying no. what the sign language is saying. Where I'm like, I didn't I didn't need to know it was no. sign language. I can see it's sign language. But they do that too, where they'll also yeah. do that where they're like foreign language, like over and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. Just <laughs> like it's already there. Leave it alone. It's fine. They can they'll pick it up. They'll yeah. understand if there are subtitles on screen, they don't look like the regular captions. They must be something's in the movie. going on. Somebody's yeah. talking some yeah. other language. But yeah. Uh, well, cool. So y'all would both recommend reading the books, the first one and two? It's not a for everyone. Not a for not everyone. everyone. I'll yeah. be honest. But if you're yeah. a sci-fi book fan, you probably already heard about it. Yep. Maybe you just hadn't wanted to tackle it. If you're generally just, I enjoy reading books, it's all, It's probably also still been on your radar. Like This yeah. is probably one of those, like, yeah, go take a shot at it. And for the books, don't feel obligated to read the series. There is like yeah, no, four to six and plus the, the sun made yeah. more. Just the first one is fine. Yep. And then you can say you've done it. Like yeah. that's all you need. To do. Don't read all the foundation books. Don't yeah. like. Yeah. Just, oh, there's yeah. a lot of yeah. Just sort of mm, peter off a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. How is how is it for a non-book reader for a, a, a not learned man like well, yourself? Well, uh, for like a Villeneuve fan, which is what I was going into it. I, I don't know. It's like a harder thing. I really wanted to bring my parents to it to see what they would think. Oh boy. Because that's a whole other conversation. And my dad's a talker during movies. So it would be like really bad. I know he'd be like, well, what's this guy's deal? What's, what is he doing over here? And I'd be like, and then he would probably lean over same kind of thing with like, like what Darla does, but in a movie theater where there are several other people, <laughs> he would just be like, oh, that guy's going to kill him. Yeah. I already know he's going to betray that doctor. <laughs> and, and, and like one guy in the back would be like, dude, shh. <laughs> And I'd be like, Dad, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> um, but it was something that I was way more curious about what how they would think it was. Like, again, my brain's mush at this point. <laughs> Any fucking thing you put on a screen looks good to me now. Uh, this is one of those things where, like, this is really fucking high up there. This is like a, a, a dish that I love savoring. I could watch it again and again just for the visuals alone and the atmosphere and everything that it generates within it. Uh, I thoroughly loved it, and I love a lot of the world building that goes on in it it does give me the motivation to want to read the book, 
but I don't have the follow through to actually read the book because Jim spoiled the book for me. <laughs> so <laughs> if I, if I may entice you from the book, they, they've changed Lee at Keynes's death scene oh. in the movie okay. uh, to be cool and action packed. But in yeah. the book, I find it to be like such a beautiful, like to me, there are a couple moments down in the book and that book moment of the book was so good and well written. Like for me, just interestingly well written and like interesting when it happens. So Okay. Uh, you should do that just for the death scene. Okay. It's well, good. yeah. Sasha has not spoiled that part of it. She uh, she made allusions to like, yeah, there's some differences here and there. Or yeah. Whatever, but there wasn't any yeah reveals there. So, uh, yeah, I've got a copy on hand somewhere here. Um, so I guess I should just start reading it. It's just yeah. been laying around looking at me. It's it's chopped up pretty small. They're each little like couple page sections really with like little this, yeah, small little <laughs> chapters like things. Yeah. How much is Herbert paying you? Herbert <laughs> 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 Estate. Yeah, yeah the Herbert oh Estate. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so cool. I mean, obviously if you've listened to this whole episode and us just gushing about a lot of the really Mm. fucking cool things and then knitting a lot of the really small things, uh, and some of the things that were just like this personal opinion, really, um, you, you've already seen Dune probably at this point and you just wanted to listen to some people talk about it. (laughs) Uh, In which case I came um, on as a guest star and I haven't trashed him. Like I haven't just been like a trash garbage gross. Don't watch it. We'll bring you back. We'll bring you back and have you, you, you'll get a chance to be grumpy. We'll bring you back for a Dixon. Yeah, exactly. That's when, when he picks, Uh let me know. I'll I'll come in with this hard house bullshit. (laughs) 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 Fucking ghost story. Oh my God. Yeah. Fucking fucking bed sheet. (laughs) That's actually your pick, John. So, was that my pick? I don't remember that being no, my pick. No, that might have been Dixon's pick. I think that was Dixon's pick. I just, knowing Casey Affleck was underneath that bed sheet was enough <laughs> for me not to want to watch that movie. Uh, He's yeah. such a frustrating actor. Uh, yeah, everybody, go watch Malignant on HBO Max. Uh, oh, it's so, <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. And by Malignant, I mean Dune. Uh, yeah. Skip over Malignant right yeah. over Dune. Yeah. Or um, do a double feature. Do a, feel free to if you want to get some Now, we already whiplash. told them exactly how to. They pair well. Did, did you listen to when we made how we got Dixon to experience Malignant? Oh no! Did you splice? <laughs> did you splice it onto like a? No, we just gave him like the all he needed to see. Like we yes. just essentially fast forwarded. That's to all like, I saw. This is what you yeah. need. Yeah, I that's what I showed you. Yeah. Only seen the, <laughs> the same experience. Yeah. I did the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I helped Jim. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. That was the yeah, fair we were like, John We got to talk in. about it. We complained. We like. I was like, we got to talk about it. But pause. We made Dixon watch. Like the reveal, and they're like, "Great, now let's talk about it." <laughs> well, John comes into my house and is like, "Hey, watch this like one inch. Like, there's like one interesting scene in Malignant." Where, like, I was I unannounced oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, I just like thing. burst yeah, into burst in. <laughs> like Kramer style. Just looked over my door. I didn't even yeah. know I had a key to my house. And looked over my door, and he's like, "Want to watch this one scene?" And I was like, "All right, cool. Like, I got five minutes." Uh, and then like, and forty five minutes later, I'm we're in a police station in Seattle. Just <laughs> <fucking going> crazy. <laughs> and I didn't turn away. I wasn't upset, but I was also was like, "This is." scene this is just, we did well this it was one, one of those flow. it was one of those tests where i was like how long will jim watch before it was like a psychology yes. one of those studies they do <laughs> at the school where they bring them in and they're like how long are they gonna go before they complain like jim was just like backwards person this is the best i love this <laughs> it is oh my I've, it was best me, yeah. it was not worth all well i don't know <laughs> yeah it's what? debatable was now it? in your mind yeah it the was an experience it, the, the beginning was so terrible it was so much so terrible to get to like a few moments of like, oh my god! Wait, so the beginning was the bad part, and then that was the oh, payoff. Was so yeah, it was so droll for so long. Oh, Welcome to be off to the table anything. about. Yeah, sorry, let's talk about that that more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was terrible. Oh, it was terrible dialogue. It was terrible draw. All of it, and I was just like dying through all of it. And it's like suddenly it's like, oh crap, what? <laughs> I, I yeah. just spent out laughing the entire time because the this the choreography and the fight scenes were hysteric. Like 
Oh yeah, no, like the best and it was the, the world. whole thing was like telegraphed. Like it was obvious where everything was going, so it was just sort of this draw. I, but then it was like the reveal was so so stupid and what was already a stupid thing that yeah. it like came back around full yeah. full circle. Yeah. yeah, but not enough to. I, I you can you go back and listen. You can hear my malignant two plot as well. You know, I, 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 my, I, I got too much spice and I future saw <laughs> malignant two. Okay, right. This is now I'm, now I'm fascinated. But yeah. So uh, yeah, go check out Dune if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, at least give the movie a chance. That's for sure. Yeah. A, a hard recommend on that. Yeah, uh, and then if you want to get into the books, I guess I'm about to do that. So join me on that journey. I'm not going to podcast about it, but you know, you can always <laughs> be like somewhere. John is also reading this book. Reading Maybe <laughs> listeners. John has promised us that every week he'll give us an update about where he is in the book oh, so shit. we can track his no, progress. No, no, I never shook your time. hand. Yeah, I never made it. What, oh, we definitely have. He definitely did under the table. It was <laughs> the, absolutely. Just give us what page you're on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, that's how you open. Every cold open is just read a, the Princess Ireland quote and then we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Dixon and I have made death packs on this podcast before. Uh, there's no they death at stake well. usually, yeah, they but they don't end well. well. <laughs> I'll make a death pack. I don't have anything to lose here. It's just true. you reading yeah. a book and me oh, not doing shit. anything. Yeah. Well, you have to trade something, so you have to. You already watched the ten minutes of Malignant, but that was a treat for you, honestly. Mm. That wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, that's the conclusion. Everybody, thank you for joining us for another uh, another off the table. I'm glad that we got to to get a real fan from off the street. That's uh, right. Just. Happen to be there. Uh, Dixon, wherever we are, we hope you're safe. Um, we hope that you are getting water and food. Blink if you need help. Yeah, blink if you need help. We can't uh, see it, but uh, just On the blink. microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then call us in and tell us you're blinking. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, call it Sam blinking. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Hey, John, Ryan, and Jim. Uh, Jim, I'm so sorry to miss your triumphant return to the podcast. Uh, I guess technically you haven't been on the podcast before, but you're, um, you know, uh, you were a staple before we began recording this, and I'm uh, very happy to see uh, you return to, to the group, and I'm, I'm sad I couldn't be there. Um, but I did want to give you guys my quick thoughts on Dune as you discuss it. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a, a pretty incredible theatrical experience. It just, it looks amazing. It sounds incredible. Um, it has to be the front runner for a bunch of awards at this point. Cinematography, sound design, score, production design, visual effects, maybe costumes. Like it, it just does a lot of things really well. Just, just an incredibly made movie. Um, it has this kind of pensive dreamlike tone that I enjoyed that kind of just really pulls you in and, and kind of makes you um, you're kind of enraptured by the experience. Um, Hans Zimmer's score is just incredible. Um, I think a lot of directors, uh, <coughs> Chris Nolan, <coughs> uh, uh, sorry, uh, don't really realize how to use Hans Zimmer. I think, um, you know, a lot of his scores end up just being the same thing, which is just a shitload of bass just beating you to death the whole movie. And I don't mind that, but, you know, when every Hans Zimmer score is the exact same. It gets kind of frustrating. He's talented. I would like to see him kind of branch out and do other things. And he, he really does that in the Dune score. Apparently, this is a book that he really loved and was excited about, you know, kind of designing the music for this. But uh, he uses a lot of voices, which is very different than his traditional scores. And it just kind of creates this um, just kind of foreign, uh, enrapturing tone that really pulls you into the film and, and kind of makes you, um, you know, kind of more invested in what's going on on screen. Um, 
The characters and plot are a little weak, um, and everybody drink. Uh, the movie focuses more on the sensory experience, I think, and that's fine. Like, um, you know, uh, I don't think a movie necessarily has to, um, you know, really rely on its characters and plot if it's really good in other areas like cinematography and sound. Um, but it was, it was a minor complaint. Um, I'm not really a fan of fantasy, um, you know, like when they're talking about, you know, oh, the, the noble house Atreides must defend its honor and serve the emperor and defeat the evil house Harkonnen. I'm just like, oh my God, I don't give a shit. Can you please just move on to something else? Um, so that kind of stuff kind of annoyed me. Um, I, I definitely feel like this was better on a second watch when you're not kind of trying to learn all of the jargon that the movie has. You know, there's so many nonsense words that are, you know, invented for the story, and you're watching it, and you're like, wait, what the fuck is the, the, a Bene Gesserit? What's, what's Shai Hulud? What are, what are all these things? They have, like, a couple different Messiah words and all this stuff that you're kind of trying to figure out as you go, and you're like, wait a minute, who are they talking about? I'm, I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. Um, but I watched it again, and I, I really enjoyed it a lot more the second time. It kind of allowed me to really kind of fall into the experience and enjoy the cinematography and the sound um, a lot on a lot deeper level because I wasn't kind of trying to figure out everything about who is who and, and what's happening. So I, I think uh, if, if you kind of had some frustrations around that with the first watch, I definitely recommend checking it out again. Um, there's a lot of kind of odd things going on with the, the plot um, about imperialism and white savior and um, you know, exploiting a local population of color for its resources. Spice seems to be um, like oil slash mushrooms or something, which is kind of weird, but, um, you know, seems to be kind of a corollary for, um, you know, American involvement in Afghanistan, Iraq, places like that, um, kind of fighting wars for oil, which is interesting. Um, interested to see where it goes in the next one. This is Dune Part 1. It seemed to really lean into the White Savior stuff in Dune Part 1. I'm hoping that it subverts that in the second one, but um, you know, interested to see where that goes. Um, on, talking about the characters, Oscar Isaac feels a bit wasted. He's so good, and he just didn't very get, didn't get very much screen time, didn't have a lot to do. Um, Chalamet is solid in the movie. Chalamet is one of my favorite actors. I think Call Me By Your Name is just fucking amazing, and he's great in that movie. Um, there's not really much to Paul's character. He's kind of he's fairly flat. There's not a lot going on there, and Xiaomi does what he can, but there's kind of not a lot on the page from to work with. I thought Rebecca Ferguson was maybe the most interesting character in the movie. She's really good as Lady Jessica, who is uh, Paul's mother, and she's probably the most well-rounded character in the movie. That we kind of get to see more of her personality and her um, her past and her kind of struggles that she's dealing with as the movie progresses. Um, so it was fun to see her in something that wasn't Mission Impossible. Um, Stellan Skarsgård is fucking great as evil fat Marlon Brando, who can also fly. Um, loved his character. Um, every time he's on screen, he was a lot of fun, um, uh, just chewing the scenery. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, overall this is a, a, you know, a big, well-made studio movie for adults, which just doesn't really get made anymore, and I was thrilled to see... Um, you know, so much talent and effort put into a big project like this that wasn't, you know, based on comic book IP or, uh, you know, something like that, that, you know, it's not part of a large franchise. They're trying to kind of start something new. 
and um, I, I thought it was really great. I've been thrilled to see it doing so well at the box office. Despite being available to stream at home on HBO Max, you, you're seeing a lot of people you know, kind of starved for something like this and wanting to go out to the theater and see just a really well-made movie uh, for adults that has some budget and talent put into it. So um, it was cool to see. I hope that studios will greenlight more things like this going forward. Um, so yeah, I, um, I, I like Denis Villeneuve a lot too. He's a director here. He's um, you know done Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, which are both really great. This is definitely the most beautiful film that he has made. Um, I think I probably like Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 a little bit better, um, but Dune is really good. I'm excited to see what they do with it going forward. Definitely highly recommend everybody go check it out. Cool. Thanks, guys. Interested to hear uh, what you guys think.